Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a talk about endgame accessibility. This was a request from one of the tier 2 supporters of the channel. They wanted me to talk about ways to improve or change how accessible the endgame is. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, uh, maybe you're listening on Spotify. There's a lot of places to listen to SNTR Presents, but you can always watch me live on YouTube. Say no to rage.com will bring you to the YouTube. You can support there by clicking subscribe, the bell button, or the join button. If you prefer Patreon, SNTR ntrpresents.com will take you there so endgame accessibility is a common discussion in the destiny circles we got into this in the previous video we were talking about you know how do you improve clans but also lfg kind of got thrown in there and i think that touches on some of the things we're going to talk about in this video in particular if you look at the way the destiny is structured the pve content has always had a very narrow engagement level at the tip of the pyramid and we're going to discuss in this video why that's okay but why the pyramid doesn't need to get so sharply narrow with some changes they could make in the game so we're going to talk about the problem we're going to kind of open up like what's the problem uh we might even ask the question like is this a problem is it okay that like end game stuff is interacted with by a small percentage of the community then we're going to talk about matchmaking everybody thinks matchmaking is a solution just throw matchmaking in there just give us matchmaking in raids and dungeons and other things we're going to talk about what i think about that as a solution and why i don't think that's like the best and then i want to end by talking about difficulty spectrum i bang on this drum all the time we need more difficulty spectrum and i believe we even have some samples of it in the game right now that really get at the heart of this issue and i think ultimately solve what folks are looking for so what is the problem Ultimately, I think this is how I would summarize the problem as people sort of experience it or as they sort of say what, you know, what their position is. Some of the best Destiny PvE content goes untouched by most of the community. I would say that's sort of the problem. Now, someone might say that's not a problem. That's okay. That's how it should be. I, I, I would agree to that to a certain extent, but I'm just going to sort of say what we're, what we're trying to address in this video is that some of the best destiny pve content goes untouched by most of the community and many would like to try or experience portions of the end game i do think a good pushback on this sort of starting position and premise that like yeah there's a lot of people that would love to experience dungeons and raids if your desire is to go into that content it doesn't seem like a strong desire if you're unwilling to interact with lfg the uh the group finder on the app that they have the Bungie.net app and you know your desire is not that strong and I think a good counter to that would be to say it's not in the game so lots of people probably have no idea that there's Xbox LFG or LFG websites or a group finder on the Bungie app and this gives credence I think to some of the discussion we had yesterday about why not put something in game that lets people know there is a group finder on the Bungie.net app they can use on their phone maybe just pull that group finder into the game again to create an accessibility pathway because that's the problem we're trying to solve lots of people never even experience i'm not even talking about beating finessing grinding i'm talking about they don't even experience some of the best pve content in destiny now some of this is by design right it is by design harder content at the tip of the pyramid in most games is going to naturally get less engagement than the rest of the game that's just sort of how it works it's like not everybody can be a champion not everybody can win a tournament not everybody is going to go into the hardest content i believe that's sort of natural and organic when you look at gaming communities across all spectrums not just destiny however 
I think a lot of people look at this and they try to attack it from the wrong angle and that's why I want to talk about matchmaking. I used to be a proponent of matchmaking for raids in Destiny 1. The basic argument that I put out was raids are procedurally difficult and once hard mode comes out it wouldn't hurt anything to have matchmaking on a raid let people go in kind of experience it maybe they beat first or second encounter then the team falls apart maybe they meet some people that are actually worth playing with or nice or good or whatever my position over the years has changed on that i believe that matchmaking in that type of content would lead to a uh, a dilution of the content it doesn't necessarily make sense logically to go into some of the hardest content and have matchmaking and I think if you look at when Menagerie so, sort of had a, uh, a sudden exodus of hardcore players, that's a good example of why raids with matchmaking would be pretty bad. And I actually don't think it's a good solution or a true solution. Okay, Adding matchmaking is a solution. Hey, people want to go play endgame content. People want to run dungeons and raids. Just throw matchmaking in, in there. Okay, It is a solution but it is a mechanical solution that's devoid of it doesn't it doesn't have any nuance or thought in it the example i gave earlier when we were talking about this is like oh my kids are hungry they want to eat i can just throw cold hot dogs on the table I'm like here you go it's a mechanical thoughtless just not it's it's not what the kids want to eat my kids have different things they'd like to have for dinner you know oh this one wants a sandwich this one wants mac and cheese right so it's not even really landing on the desires of of my kids as well as their need it's just like it's a mechanical boom here you go so slapping matchmaking on a raid or a dungeon is a it's just a purely mechanical non-nuanced non-thoughtful solution that doesn't actually get at the heart of the matter i think the heart of the matter is there's a spectrum of players and experience in destiny and that's why i think difficulty spectrum is the true answer here if you go all the way back if you go all the way back to destiny one the reason I think I argued for matchmaking in King's Fall is because they designed hard first, they scaled it down for normal, the King's Fall raid was very accessible, the opener was basically the opener to Menagerie. Go get balls, bring them back, slam them. Totems was a little more challenging, it was a bit of a relay race, but again, it was something that I think a lot of teams could get the timing down, although I sometimes feel like Totems was harder than Warpriest, uh, but Again, that's where that thought was born out of. At a time where there was a clearer sense of difficulty spectrum in the game, not just like mechanical solutions of, well, here is here's matchmaking. And I think right now, this is the end of the video, right? Let's talk about difficulty spectrum. Right now, I think we have a good example of how difficulty spectrum could work in both Nightmare Hunts and Nightfall the Ordeal. We already have in the game right now what essentially is the accessibility solution so accessibility is not about casualifying it's not about making the content easier nobody usually when this comes up nobody asks for raids or dungeons or nightfall grandmaster nightfalls to be made easier they just want them to be accessible well nightfalls are accessible you can engage with adept and hero with matchmaking on the nightfall content is not held at arm's length from you you can get enhancement cores and enhancement prisms at the hero level and then when you go up to 1050 no more matchmaking now i do think social aspects of the game could be improved you could get you know the opportunity at the end of a good nightfall at hero the opportunity to be like hey you guys had a good run push this button to send a friend request you know i i know it gives you like the score outline or something but draw people's attention to the fact that like well that was actually a pretty good nightfall same thing with nightmare hunts at master 
The content is not held at arm's length. Anybody right now can go and experience a nightmare hunt. You go here, you pick Adept or Hero, matchmaking is on, you come up here to the harder versions, and matchmaking is turned off. This is where, this is where, Difficulty Spectrum could land on dungeons and raids, and here's how. Again, I'm not arguing for matchmaking, so hang with me. In-game LFG would be perfect for normal dungeons and normal raids because basically you'd have a similar situation normal than hard normals designed you know as basically they strip away some of the things that you know that are hard we actually learned from the ride along recently in the dungeon they designed dungeons first and foremost to be soloed this is a great great argument and and a great you know reinforcement of the idea that dungeons should have a hard mode you design hard mode first make it only doable by a team and then you slowly remove requirements mechanics mechanical pain or whatever strip it down to then be soloable it can be solo flawless a bull on normal and then you also now have a spectrum to say okay in-game lfg for normal raids normal dungeons because you're creating accessibility pathways that are similar to nightmare hunts and nightfalls it's lining up with it's lining up with the spectrum of the game. There's a spectrum of difficulty. There's a spectrum of engagement. And if you do this, no one can complain there's a lack of accessibility in the end game. And I can already hear people saying, look, there's LFG, there's Group Finder, there's all these ways to get into Endgame with people. Again, I know that that's true. I just think there's lots of players who pick up the sticks, want to jump into Destiny, and they don't have any awareness that those things are available. Or if they do, it's like, ah, that's complicated. I'm just, you know, I'm just a couple hour a night player. I'd love to maybe experience a dungeon here and there, maybe a raid here and there, just kind of go in and see what it's all about because the environments are beautiful. Like just landing on the Leviathan, like it's it's, ama- it's an amazing environment, you know, and, and they could they could do an encounter or two. So more and more, I think I'm being sort of won over to the to the position that in-game LFG would be a great solution because then it is there as that accessibility funnel and then that would line up really, really well with difficulty spectrum in dungeons and raids, a normal and a hard. Uh, and it would also line up with you know the other activities obviously that have difficulty spectrum attached to them like nightfalls and nightmare hunts. Ultimately, the, the problem that we started with, the premise that we started with is some of the best PvE content in Destiny goes untouched by so much of the community. I'm not talking about un, undefeated, uncompleted, or, you know, I, they just, they, they, they're not even doing the challenges of the bounties. I mean, they literally never go in there. And if we could figure out a way to get more people in there, I think it'd be good for the game. It'd be good for the end game because the end game could have more dynamics and more nuance to it and not just be like, here's a raid, here's a dungeon. I, it, could, it could bring back that impetus to have hard mode, which makes, I think, for such a good grind. You grind normal to prepare for hard, and I really, really like that. So we're going to transition to Q&A. Uh, if you're watching this, you know, as a, as a breakout session, and it's not live there should be a button up in the corner to go right over to the Q&A if you're here right now live click subscribe click the bell button click the join button if you want and jump into the Q&A we're about to do it as always if you're watching or listening elsewhere please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about endgame accessibility. If you want to take part in these Q&A sessions, you need to be a Tier 1 member or higher. You can use the Patreon at sntrpresents.com to do that, or you can go to my YouTube and click the Join button. Say no to Rage.com will bring you to the YouTube. I'm streaming live Monday through Friday during the day. We've been having really big turnouts and a lot of great conversations. Also, we're going to have our first VIP fight night very soon, so if you want to be a VIP, be sure to click that and get 
that before uh, August the 7th. That'll be our first fight night that we do. Anybody can watch, but VIPs will be able to jump in and play that new Fall Guys game. Should be a fun night. So let's jump right into the questions. MG Avenger. No endgame content is aspirational or difficult. The only barrier is getting a group and being taught. I don't think endgame should be accessible unless more difficulty more difficulties get added. Do you think that all endgame should be accessible? Well, this question has within it an assertion that needs to be like qualified. So you're saying no endgame content is aspirational or difficult. Now there's a handful of problems with that statement number one it's not absolutely true because when new content comes out it is aspirational and difficult it's out of reach or it's challenging and uh dungeon day one raid races day one things like that and when you go into uh grandmaster level content uh it is aspirational uh or difficult it's 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 out of it's, it's out of your reach, right? So this is not absolutely uh, true. I think this is contextually true. There are times where you could say, yeah, once you, once you know the mechanics of a raid or the dungeon and you're at the power level, the difficulty and the sense of it being aspirational fades away. It becomes, as you're saying, it's just like, I, I just have to find a group and be taught or just find a group and do it. So we really, really have to qualify the opening assertion of this, of this question. And when we do that, I think it really affects the rest of the question. So the premise is kind of faulty, which makes sort of the rest of the uh, questions that have within them conclusions. It makes, it makes the logic of this, of this breakdown a little bit. Because your conclusion is then the only barrier is getting a group or getting taught. And then you then assert another sort of springboard conclusion of, I don't think endgame should be accessible unless more difficulties are get added. This is where it gets a little bit confusing when you want to break down the logic of it. I agree that more difficulties is a solution, but we don't get there by tracking with your logic, right? Um, We don't get there. I think that accessibility, and also, also, um, yo, what's good, GFS? Also, uh, thank you for the email, by the way, dude. I, 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 hopefully, you got my reply. Uh, also, when you say, d- should all endgame be accessible? This is this again is kind of in line with the logic of the assertion. It's just all encompassing. It's like it should all endgame be accessible. Essentially, what I argued for in the video was accessibility is not the same as casualification, and accessibility does not need to go all the way up the pyramid. I think it's okay within games like Destiny and others to say that certain thresholds of content and difficulty are not accessible to just anybody. But when you have difficulty spectrum, like you do in Grandmaster Nightfalls and Nightmare Hunts, the content is not held at arm's length. It is accessible. Anybody can go play a Nightmare Hunt. Anybody can go play a Nightfall. It's The content is accessible, but once it gets so, so high on the threshold of difficulty, it does become... Uh, more exclusive. I think that's actually, you know, um, that is a that's a logical thing that you see in a lot of games that, that that's acceptable. Here's where I think it starts to break down. Okay, your wife and you laugh at the lotion part <laughs> every day, dude. Playing with you, get out of that lotion. <laughs> um, that is such a that is. <laughs> 
it's such a, a problem that I've never had. We don't we don't have lotion in the house, right? You ever see the Bill Burr thing where he she like scratches him and he's like all he's like flaking off, you know, because he doesn't use lotion. <laughs> that was not a problem in our house growing up. With the, we got our you know our own kids, um, you know. So if if you look at the way they structured the um, the uh, if if you look at the Master level night. Uh, I'm sorry. If you look at the nightmare hunts and the nightfalls, okay, there's a spectrum. And I think where it breaks down is you go to dungeons and raids, nothing. There's no normal, there's no hard, there's nothing. There's no matchmaking, there's no in game solution uh, at all, okay? So when that happens, I think that's where people get frustrated. They're like, oh, I, I, I can't even, I can't even get there, right? And this is where I think yesterday I'm coming around to what Darksider really pushed back. Darksider disagreed with me yesterday. He's like, they already have the group finder on the Bungie app. Why not put it in the game? Why not put group finder in the game? I actually think that is a that is a um, a, a, a two-pronged approach to solving this problem. First and foremost, go back to normal hard, okay? Hard mode, and then you trim it down for normal like they did with King's Fall. And from their ride along on the dungeon, they said that dungeons are initially designed to be soloed, and then they kind of go from there. Well, okay, that's perfect, because what you could start to do is you could say, design the dungeon really, really hard, hard mode, only doable by three people, and then you trim it down to make normal soloable. So normal is your solo flawless triumph, normal is your entrance point. And then when you do that, do the same thing with a raid, in-game group finder, I think, lands on that in a more healthy way because you've got that entrance version more accessible, more quote-unquote doable. That's not casualification. That's a deepening of the game. That gives you more to do as a hardcore player and potentially gets more people into end-game content. This is why I said at the beginning of the video, the problem that we're trying to solve is that, this is how I phrased it, some of the best Destiny PvE content goes untouched by most of the community. Now, Bungie might not think that's a problem. They might be totally satisfied with a 10% engagement rate with the endgame content, but I would think the more people that engage, the better. Because if you think about what what you want in a game like Destiny is you want loyalty, and I think loyalty becomes deeper and more longer lasting if you're engaging with more of the game than just always skimming across the top and engaging with the super casual stuff. So, this is a good question even though it has baked into it what I feel are, um... I feel like are bad assumptions and presumptions about how no end game content is aspirational, difficult. I mean, people would always do this when they would come in and watch me raiding with folks. Are you kidding me? This raid's a joke, right? They're so biased and so jaded. They run the raid every week with the same six people and they just boom, 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 done. Let's go home. Boom, 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 done. Let's go home, right? Yo, my homie, longtime homie GFS hitting the, hitting the VIP. Thank you for doing that, dude. You got it. Oh, man, you're a VIP. You got to jump into Discord. I'm not, I'm not, we've not spoken like, like with voice in such a long time. That's one of my old school Call of Duty buddies right there. Um, you got to hop in next week when we play that Fall Guys game, too. I don't know if you have a PlayStation or a PC to jump in on. Um, that'd be awesome. Uh, get get, get, uh, get Fonz in here, too. So, 
this is a common thing I think in the Destiny community. People get jaded and they get sort of like, oh, everything's so easy. This is a joke because you run such a uh, such a, a privileged slice of the game, right? And you don't see what it's like to play with inexperienced people or people that just aren't as aware or you know, they just they've not done the raid as many times as you. You go into a raid, man. You, you know, it's, it's, you don't even put any thought into it. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just like a, a ritual for you and your team at that point. You know. So I, I would continue to say that they, if they deepen difficulty and add more layers, then there's grounds for more accessibility, and that's helpful to the really hardcore players that are that are wanting something that's more challenging. This is why I think contest modifiers is another point I want to make about this. This is why I'm like contest modifier is such a great solution. It's such a great solution because it, it, it perpetuates, right? It perpetuates and maintains some level of difficulty and intensity. And I know some people might be like, well, that's false difficulty. That's false difficulty. I, not necessarily no i think when you have to pay attention to your health and recovery and get into you know and get into cover and stuff i think that maintains an intensity that gets lost once you're at delta and i always use the example of the dungeon the bowl encounter the bowl encounter is small everything's close to you and when you're under the delta and you see swords there is a level of intensity there that i think is lost whenever you're whenever you're above the power level and so a hard mode of that dungeon where contest modifier was is active would make some of those encounters I think feel better because when you're being asked to, to do XYZ mechanic and you don't have to worry about your health recovery, dying, killing you don't have to worry about any of those rhythms th- there's a whole lane of intensity that just shuts off but if that lane of intensity is maintained and you're trying to kill the knight from from the shadowy area or the light area, you know, and you're trying to stay alive and you're trying to get rid of the ads, like that intensity that comes from the delta, I think makes those mechanics feel different as as a as a as a challenge to you as a player. Doge says, I would say I'm lucky. I had a friend from one of my mobile games I had played who had a connection to a clan with good raiders. I can't really imagine trying to do endgame content for the first time without their help. Oh, yeah. And now you're like, I would say, one of the, a top-level PvE player. I mean, I've played with a lot of people over the years, and, you know, Doge is a, a very, very strong player, you know? So. Ink Toxicant with the next question. As a build-focused player, I often find myself not trying endgame content because the most enjoyable loadouts I run are not viable. Do you feel this is a valid barrier, or do you think endgame content can exist that doesn't require a meta build? Oh, man. Here's here's the issue with this. I think sometimes people overstate what you're stating. I have been prone to this. I have been prone to this. Overstating the fact that oh you have to run the best build you don't always have to you like to because you're wanting to one phase the raid boss so everybody runs the meta dps build you don't have to but it does feel stupid to not (laughs) why hold the team back why i mean why do you want to do a two phase or increase failability you know probability (laughs) because you want to run this other build that you think is fun right I would get frustrated by people that would do that. I'm like, can you just not run 
that super. I know you think you're being funny and cute, but like you're increasing failability probability. They would do it in Wrath of the Machine. They would run a, a, a certain build and they'd have to push up really close to the captains and they'd get physics, they'd get killed, and they'd be like, oh, what in the world? And I'm like, can you just sit back and do the tried and true loadout instead of trying to be that way? Like you're trying to play a certain way. So like I understand there, there's sort of two things I want to say here. Number one, I think we can at times overstate this quote unquote need to run meta. We can overstate it, but at the, on the on the other side of the, t- the the token and the coin here, it does feel sort of stupid to not run meta. Is there a solution for this tension and this problem? All I would say is that Bungie needs to continue to look at how we complete encounters and if it's always satisfy mechanic damage dump if it's always that okay think of most raid boss fights satisfy mechanics damage dump satisfy mechanics damage dump what's everybody gonna do they're gonna get out their handy dandy calculator or watch their favorite youtuber and they're gonna be like what's maximum dps and they're gonna run it and it's extremely hard to not do that why would you not do that run xenophage (laughs) i don't want to i we're gonna one phase it if you do you know because the minute it gets broken down into that so it's i believe a lot of this is solved at a design level if you design encounters like Oryx fight, Axis fight, you don't feel like I have to run this meta. Why? Because they're putting that mechanical pressure and pain on you that it's not just everybody do the same thing. I ran Starfire Protocol, Max Discipline, I would throw fusions at the Axis boss. Some people ran uh, Dark Drinker. Some people ran the grenade, I'm sorry, the rocket launcher from Dead Orbit. And, And we're all doing great, great damage. Now, one of the reasons that we did that in the Axis fight, okay, one of the reasons we did that in the Axis fight is because of the mechanical pain that constantly spread everybody out. So some people didn't like to have to travel around the room and chase the boss with their Dark Drinker, so they would use the, uh, the, the rocket launcher from Dead Orbit. Or like me, I loved, I could just stay where I am and I would just throw grenades. And then if you did the slamming of the plates, I always had my grenades to throw every single time. I always had my super. So, and the Oryx fight, okay? The Oryx fight. There was no satisfying the mechanics and damage dump moment. So there was more freedom in loadouts. Some people ran Touch of Malice up top. Some people ran Sleeper. Some people would use their tether to anchor the, you know, the ogres. Um... There was a lot of different strategies. Some people just loved running a machine gun in there because they knew they could kill the ads quickly and then and the and their and a light eater knight quickly. They didn't have to worry about trying to snipe him. Uh, it's like we're too dependent on guns and not in-game mechanics. If the fight against the worm god was dependent on the Valkyrie as the only mode of damage or the orbs in the Oryx fight, that way the boss is based on mechanics. You're you are you are tracking with my argumentation. That's exactly right. The the this is what this is what they're doing. They're separating mechanical pain and DPS phase so so sharply. It's like here's mechanical pain, okay, you're done with that. Good. DPS phase. In the Axis fight, it was like, no, uh-uh. DPS and mechanics were interwoven. 
and DPS and mechanics were interrelated. You could slam the plates and get your super back and maximize DPS. So now DPS and mechanics are interwoven and interrelated. And in the Oryx fight, the mechanics are the DPS phase, right? So you have extreme mechanical weight, Oryx, you have interwoven mechanical weight, Axis, and then you have a sharp divide of mechanics and DPS, which is every fight, every basically every raid boss fight in in Destiny. Now you kind of have that in Scourge. The the uh, there's a mechanical uh, interdependency and interwoven nature of using those buffs to get maximum damage on the Scourge fight. That's the closest we have. To, to, to what we had in the Axis fight, right? And so, and what's really absence from the Scourge fight to really make it more enjoyable, there's no hard mode. If there was a hard mode and the boss had way more health so that one phases were less likely because you'd be doing a little less damage, then two phases would become the finesse, you know? And this is where they've got... They're, they're, I think, man, I've never broken it down this way before, but I love the way that I, we just broke that down. You have extreme mechanical weight, Oryx. You have interwoven mechanical weight, Axis. You have sharp divide mechanical weight. It's mechanics, then DPS. Mechanics, then DPS. It's totally divided. So, all the garden fights. Do the mechanics, shoot the boss in the face. Do the mechanics, shoot the boss. Like, that's it. They're totally divided. And when that happens... You're always in meta. You're always going to run to meta because you would feel dumb to not, hey, dude, if everybody runs this, we're going to bake this guy. Because that's just breaking it down to basic math. It's more challenging to break it down to basic math if you're being asked to blow up bombs, slam plates, move around the room. You, you, the, the, the over... Oh, what was it called? Um empowerment empowerment was going to redistribute so everybody need to be in their corners like you couldn't all just go run over to the boss and stay there for forever so if i'm if i'm bungie and i agree uh with ink toxicants take here that we're we're and what philbo said we're too reliant on guns and everybody just runs meta if bungie's trying to solve that it's not going to come strictly from buffing other weapons. Sure, linear fusions, rocket launchers, and machine guns could probably use some love, right? Right now, swords are king. And then after that, what? probably like grenade launchers <clears throat> for, for boss DPS. And then Xeno. Yeah, y- you could certainly afford to buff other options, but you're still going to break it down to basic math. The only way you get variety of loadout in endgame encounters and endgame raid boss fights is by making players feel mechanical pain so it's like well I can't run a sword on axis why well I just prefer to stand and I don't like traveling I flub my jump sometimes and it messes up empowerment or I fall in the hole and so I'm gonna run the the, the rocket launcher from dead orbit the warpath I think is what it was called or I'm gonna run starfire protocol and use my super and throw grenades because there's a mechanical pain that is making me weigh things and prioritize things where it's like, uh, it'd be easier to run this because I actually prefer to stand here or I prefer to do this or that or I go here for the lighter nights or whatever it is. The mechanical pain is making you 
it's it's like it they talk about encouraging this in your children it's called divergent thinking you hand a kid a paper clip and you're like what could you do with this and the kid is going to come up with 18 25 however many different things you could do with a paper clip okay i could turn into a little sword i could make a slingshot i could you know uh, i could i could turn into a paper football and, and flick it i could you know stick it in a light socket <laughs> you know but an adult's going to be like oh it's a paper clip it it holds paper together and I feel like to promote divergent thinking in raids, you have to ask people to do more than do mechanic damage dump, do mechanic damage dump. It's do mechanic, more mechanics, mechanic and damage are interwoven. So there's more divergent solutions that that you're gonna you're gonna hope to come up with, like you saw in the Oryx fight and the Axis fight. Loadouts were were a lot uh, were vastly different and more varied as opposed to what you what you see now like what all you see now is everybody standing side by side holding essentially the same weapons and just holding the trigger down it crown of sorrow that's exactly what crown of sorrow does in the final boss there's like three different mechanics happening at once yeah but once you earn damage face fen you basically just empty empty the empty is on his face and then shoot his hands. That's it. That's not even a mechanic, really. I don't know. I, the, the damage phase is just a shootout. Now, I, I'll say this, though, Sven. Actually, the second to the last fight has a mechanical thing woven into it, but you're still basically just punching him and then shooting him. You know? I'll admit that the, the fight before where he's smaller and everybody has to take turns punching him that has mechanics woven into DPS but not in a way that really makes you make any hard decisions it's just stand in a well shoot him a bunch oh it's your turn to go punch him you know I, I don't know I, I'm going to continue to reference what I believe are the paragons of good boss design fights which is Axis and Oryx and Scourge of the Past Final Fight I think are are great examples and scourge honestly would be a better example if like the other ones i'm mentioning there was hard mode with um with a contest modifier on so we couldn't get above delta barrett do you think one of the big reasons why people avoid endgame content is because it's not compelling or memorable like grandmaster nightfalls to me content needs to be both rewarding and compelling to get me to participate in it Okay, there's a lot of layers to, to what I want to say in response to this. Number one, you guys know what I think about Grandmaster Nightfalls. You know I'm not a fan. You know I think it's a it's a it's a it's a blunt it's a blunt object. It's you know twelve negative modifiers and a crazy high delta. And gameplay from from uh you know was it is it this week's or last week's where people are just dying in the most absurd and stupid ways. Because when these strikes were designed Grandmaster Nightfalls weren't a thought. <laughs> they were not a thought, all right? So the encounters, the enemy saturation, the layout of the rooms, none of this was designed thinking, oh yeah, people are going to come in here uh, and see swords, absurdly high delta, and uh, and 12 negative modifiers. So it doesn't work. It's like, I use this example pretty often. Whenever it was arc burn and specialist, and the opening of the saber strike was harder than the rest of the strike. Why? Well, because when they designed the saber strike, they didn't have any of that in their mind it was just a strike yeah out in the open defending a war set ships coming what's the problem with that 
you add all those negative modifiers and then the content breaks down you're retroactively you're trying to cast this net over top of content and it doesn't always land in a, in a healthy way because the content was never designed with those things uh, intended so grandmaster nightfalls are not memorable because it's a blunt it's just a blunt object hitting you in the face for three hours and then you finally beat it and you're just exhausted and annoyed you don't feel like you did anything heroic you feel like you ran a marathon that you really didn't feel like running <laughs> like you're like I'm wore out and I don't ever want to do that ever again um so when you say how do you make it memorable or compelling I'm going to jump over to another one of my soapboxes I'm just jumping from one soapbox to another and I'm going to say it's the lack of role assignment and hero moments we, th- th- that's not in the game anymore no one is finessing running the relic I'm really good at running the relic at you know uh, Templar or Oryx or I'm really good at holding the aura at Warpriest there's nothing to aspire to the raids are so much relay race you do this you do this do you have any memorable moments doing totems no do you want to know why it was a freaking relay race it's a relay race you do this then I do this and then you do this and then I do this and we all do the same stupid thing and if one more if one person dies we gotta start all the way over right do you know what I, you want to know what I remember from Destiny 1 raiding? Low manning Warpriest was awesome. Finessing the aura at Warpriest was dope. I loved holding aura and shooting him, right? I loved rotation method at Golgoroth. That's I, one puddle was like was just stupid, but and I, a good rotation method run was so satisfying at at Golgoroth. Uh, low man detonations at Kingsfall uh, at Oryx. Love, absolutely love that. Self resing at sisters, <laughs> and and completing the encounter because everybody dies and so does the witch, and then somebody self reses. That one's a little bit cheeky and cheesy. Um, triple cannon, triple cannon axis is the holy grail of raid memory. You, you can't top that. You got Destiny Two is a choir boy in comparison to Triple Cannon. It's a it's a choir boy. It, it's a, the, the the raid experiences in Destiny Two are chintzy and silly in comparison to the Holy Grail of raid experience, which is Triple Cannon and Axis. You've lost players. Get it done right. Low manning Axis on a dime because people have died in hard mode is the Holy Grail of raid experience. Okay, so. I go from one soapbox of like just I just want you to just be brutally honest about it. Look at Grandmaster Nightfall experience, look at Destiny 2 raid experience and compare it to everything I just said. It's it's a joke. Grandmaster Nightfall is a bad joke. It's like who in the world thinks that this was this is good content? This is literal garbage. It is literal garbage. And, and the raids are beautiful and creative and they're ultimately pretty boring because res timer res tokens is this stupid one size fits all acid that erodes memorable heroic moments it just burns it away not possible you want to know my most like memorable sort of wow what a moment I have in destiny 2 raiding is when I clutched the the teleporter room, okay, 
the teleporter room, the encounter in Garden of Salvation before the Harpy. My most memorable moment in Desi 2 raiding is launch date of Garden clutching the teleporter room. I go over, I kill everything. The guy that was running that room is dead. And we're, and we're about to go to the center. The wall's going to come down. It was going to be the first time we went to the center. It was going to be the first time we made it that far in the encounter. And we died to the revive timer. That's my most memorable, ingrained in my brain moment in Destiny 2 raiding. And it's a stupid experience. It's dumb. It's a clutch that was taken from me. So I listed all those different memories of things that could take place in Destiny 1 raids. And then I come over to Destiny 2 and I look at Grandmaster Nightfalls and I watch people slugging away at it for five, six, seven, however many hours. Absurd, stupid, cheap deaths. We have no lateral agility to get out of the way of so much of the damage, so much of the spam. I've talked about why logistically the the ads in this game are not designed for that level of negative modifier and damage output because of the way they spam because their their hierarchy in the game their their tier in the game is is low so there's lots of them and they spam and that doesn't work when they suddenly are doing tons of damage right we've talked about the logistical and logical breakdown of why grandmaster nightfalls are bad content like ma- it's a mathematical logical argument that like grandmaster nightfalls are are crap content okay <clears throat> you look at that and then you look at raids and it's like man what happened it's, it's hard it's hard to put your finger on why something isn't memorable but it's because everything is totems I started this whole rant off by saying do you have any memorable moments at totems I don't every once in a while somebody would pull off a nice clutch but it wasn't that memorable it was like oh so and so died again and I can't believe you pulled that off raids, raids are so much of that <clears throat> raids are so much of this 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 relay race everybody does the same thing so there's no special roles to aspire to oh I want to get good at running a cannon or I want to get good at running the relic there's no specialized roles scourge comes close okay and there's the almost a complete and utter absence of heroic moments and clutch moments there's so many moments our teams could have four or five man to boss with barely any health and we all fail because the res timer runs out right You've literally had memories, like, it's like they reached into the future and stole those possible memories from you. It's like, yeah, you're gonna, (laughs) you're gonna have these clutch moments in this raid. No, you're not. Rest timer. You know, so. That is a super long, you know, Lono soapbox answer to your question. But that's, I think that's the only way to answer your question. You got to put meat on the bones. Why is this not memorable? Why is this not fun? You got to start to draw a lot of comparisons and really, really pinpoint what was present in Destiny 1 and what is absent in Destiny 2, or you'll never understand why rating just doesn't feel the same. You know, why is this Grandmaster Nightfalls? Why? I don't, you know, you got you got to try to put it into words and I do my best. I do my best to try to really criticize at a, at a, a more of an intellectual level. I'm not just like, eh, I don't like it. It sucks. Like, I'm trying to like, I try to break it down into, I mean, I get down into the meat of enemy hierarchy and talk about why, logically, the design philosophy that goes behind the way an acolyte shoots at you 
why that breaks down and becomes incredibly stupid and overrealized in a Grandmaster Nightfall. Like, I try to get down to, like, the actual logic of the design philosophy behind the enemy types to say, therefore, Grandmaster Nightfalls suck. Instead of just saying they suck, I'm trying to give reasons as to why um, that's thoughtful and, and, and logical and not just, oh, it stinks, I don't like it. Because I think too often we do that and we don't get anywhere. We don't get any traction. It's just like, yeah, that sucks. It's dumb. It's too hard. Or it's false difficulty. And I, I, I do my best to equip you and other members of the community with the absolute best arguments I can come up with uh, against that type of content. Um, man, some of you guys are double dipping. You're doing Patreon and you're doing stuff. Uh, GFS, thanks for doing the Patreon and for doing uh, the YouTube membership. <clears throat> excuse me hitman with the next question i don't think endgame content should be built around everyone's accessibility but i think that they need to get away from every single person needing to be perfect like swords in crota where hero moments exist you can't help struggling teams oh what a timely question so this is uh this is another rant that i go on and I attack this from a less of a logical argument. This is more of an experiential argument. The the idea that it was bad to clutch a raid because it could be somebody's first time in there and they're dead while you beat the boss. So that's the premise. That's a bad thing. We can't have that happen. And that has been one of the driving forces of raid philosophy in Destiny 2. So, one of the reasons I'm not as enthused as others about Joe Blackburn coming back to Bungie, people are like, oh, he's the great, he's the greatest, he was behind Taken King. Okay, yeah, but Joe Blackburn's also the one that thinks having somebody dead when an encounter is beat, he thinks that's a bad thing. And that's a driving force in the raid philosophy of Destiny 2 that has led to no assigned roles, nothing to aspire to, nothing to finesse, and the lack of hero moments, okay? So I attack this from an experiential argument. So this is more subjective, but bear with me. When you would beat an encounter in Destiny 1 and you were dead and you watched a team clutch, okay... It gave you a sense of, I want to come back and be better next time because that was awesome. You see a clear difference between you and the guys that were good enough to beat it. So there's there's a sense of, I have something to aspire to. That was dope. Okay? That was dope. Now, in Destiny 2, you just have egg on your face the whole time you're the bad player if you're the less experienced player and you're struggling it's it's very clear why the team can't complete the encounter because you keep dying now i understand i understand this is subjective because they're you know even wheezy is saying when i watch a team clutch i felt like dead weight okay so this is subjective some people are like no 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 no. getting drugged through content and not having to do anything or dying or whatever you know some lfg teams will be like just jump off we'll do it all Right, if you get empowered, we're gonna we're gonna fail because you're not experienced, right? I don't think that was normative or common. I don't think that was the 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 the, the common experience. Thank you, Dewitt, for upgrading to a rageless VIP. I appreciate that. Lots of folks are upgrading. It is prorated if you want to switch because the VIP fight night uh, that we'll be doing next week. So I appreciate a lot of you doing that. Okay, so I'm arguing from an experiential 
angle here, which is I know is subjective, but to me, I feel like which player and which instance do you think is more likely to lead to a bad player coming back? Okay, so bad players exist. They're a constant. So here, my hand, here we have a bad player. Okay. And I pose to you the question, (laughs) in which experience do you think that person is more likely to come back and try to improve? The one where it gets clutched and they see a team play well, or the experience where they hold the team back for a long time and eventually they finally get it done? In which instance do you think the emotional and experiential and psychological experience of that player, which do you think will lead to them wanting to come back? Which is more likely to lead to them wanting to come back? I will tell you my experience, okay? And I know, again, this is subjective because you might say neither, like like, like Lycan's saying, nah, neither, because they're going to get yelled at the whole time. My experience in this community with Sherpa-minded players, with high-level-minded players that enjoy the challenge, that enjoy clutching, my experience was bad players aspired to become good players and good players aspired to become great players because there was a clear difference between them. And right now, there isn't. Everybody takes their part in the relay race. There is no hero. There is no leader. There is no great, good, bad spectrum at all. There's get it done. You suck and you're holding us back. That's it. And when they finally do what's expected of them, they're just as they're, they're basically good enough or just as good as everybody else. And then that's kind of like, that's it. So in, in, in my experience, in my experience, in this community, we were, we were a heavy, heavy raiding community in D1. There was this sense of bad, good, great in the player spectrum and people that got a taste for raid completion wanted to improve and be better. I had good players that wanted to become great players and leaders and helpers and Sherpas, right? So... Folks are less likely to Sherpa folks when the person they're Sherping keeps wiping the raid. It's why every other raid is know what to do. Well, no, again, again, no, that's different. There are people that are looking to bang out a raid in an hour because they got a, they got a limited time frame on Friday night, and that's understandable. Know what to do as a requirement is totally understandable. I'm talking about Sherpas. They enjoy teaching. They enjoy clutching. They like the challenge, right? Those types of players, I think, are... In, in decent decent number in the population and I think like I said now everything I just said is not as strong as my arguments against Grandmaster Nightfall because there's less logic and fact and reason here this is a lot of emotional experiential uh subjective anecdotal evidence I, I I concede that I concede and and will admit this argument is one of my weaker ones but and it is it is based on my preference because I loved clutching and I loved teaching so it is laden with bias and subjectivity but that's my position on it is that one experience is superior to another and more likely for a bad player to want to come back and improve while the other is man that sucked I never want to do that ever again I have egg on my face I held the team back the whole time um Julio upgraded to a VIP thank you for doing that Julio <clears throat> Rageless community is so far from the Destiny community it's shocking distance from the sun to Jupiter 
versus Sun versus Venus. I mean, maybe I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of Sherpas on on in the Discord and on 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 Reddit and other places that probably miss clutch challenging moments. I mean, think about it like this. Think about it like this. Do, do you think there could be a correlation here, right? There could be a correlation here. Yeah, GFS. What if Destiny 2, the reason it's highly populated LFGs with know what to do and people not wanting to teach and be patient? What if the reason for that is correlating to the fact that that's the way the raids are designed? No one can mess up. No one can make a mistake. If you die, the team wipes. If you don't do your part, the team wipes. That's why people skipped totems. Totems as a, is like a microcosmic version of all D2 raids. And so... I think that reality has created a greater trend in the community to say, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I'm not raiding unless you know what to do because it just isn't fun. And since all I can do is teach you to do the bare minimum and to do your part, I think that's a correlating factor to what you're saying. I think there was a shift in the psychology and 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 the culture and destiny because destiny raids changed and it caused people to become more transactional and mechanical in their thinking know what to do and then get the frick out right so much mistakes but no wipes well yeah that was that was actually pretty fun <laughs> i feel that's overstated and being uh hyperbolous every raid has an option to be salvaged if you mess up it's just i, I, I obviously i'm i'm I am exaggerating to make a point, but Weezy, you have to admit, a death or a failure in Destiny 2 is is usually, oh, we got to wipe. Like, that's how it was at Totems, right? You'd get heavily invested, you'd be almost done, and somebody would die, and it was really, really difficult to salvage it. It was really, really tough to, to pull it out of the fire. You contrast Totems to every encounter in Wrath of the Machine. Every encounter in Wrath of the Machine could be could be salvaged if there was a death, early death, late death, whatever. Totems was very often up oh, it's over. Right? Oryx is very similar. Somebody does something wrong, dies on their plate, your your relic holder falls, and you're done. You gotta you gotta start over. Right? And I feel like so much of Destiny 2 falls into that lane. Really, really hard uh, to salvage. Every raid I've done unless it's literally a white mechanic, we res and we keep going. I don't agree with you, not one bit. Eh? The here's it here's an element that I think you're forgetting, Wheezy. Okay, Destiny Two doesn't have a hard mode where you can't res, right? So you're right, you're right. You do res and keep on going, but eventually, eventually, that bad player becomes a detriment, and you can't res him, and you wipe to the timer. In Destiny One. You couldn't res in hard mode, so there was this immediate pressure and pain from a death. It was a different structure. But, like, logistically speaking, there was no res and keep going. It was, well, we've really invested now. We got good damage on the boss. Let's keep going. Let's, we, we, we've, we've lost him, but let's go. So it's hard to compare the two, because in D1, hard mode, a death was a death. You couldn't bring that person back. It added a unique pressure. It also added a unique point of decision oh we just started let's let's start over oh i don't know dude we got 50 percent of the boss's health down let's keep going we only got one more phase left 
there was a, there was a sense of uh, investment in the encounter that would lead to uh, different decisions. So I know I'm I may be overstating like if one person dies you're wiping, but I really do feel like D2 raids feel far more relay race. Everyone has to do their part. So I don't want to have anybody in here struggle bussing. I believe that that correlates with the behavior on LFG and the trend in the community. I can't make a hard science argument. That's just me saying from from the from from a 30,000 feet analyzation here of 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 what I'm hearing from you guys and LFG and the trends about know what to do and all of that. I see that correlating with the difference in raid philosophy for D2. You turn it into a literal you know, time exchange, and you can't clutch, so it's like, I don't want any bad players in here. In Destiny 1, you'd be like, oh, this guy's not as experienced, but who cares? We can clutch it up. Let's go. Let's just go. Who cares? Let's go. In Destiny 2, you're going to be like, dude, that guy's not experienced. Get him out of here. We're going to end up wiping eight times in that encounter, you know? Which, as I said, you can see that in the way that people skipped totems. We skipped totems for the same reason that in Destiny 2 you only want experienced players. Because you knew at totems one bad player, one inexperienced player was the end of the run. It would just you would you would get I would literally be at totems longer than Oryx some days. I'd be at totems longer than the final boss fight cuz one person could sink the ship and in in a lot of the Destiny 2 raids a bad player sinks the ship because you're going to run out of res tokens and timers if that person keeps dying. The level of patience to carry a weak player has decreased significantly because the power of the weak player is greater, just like at Totems. The power of the weak player was so strong at Totems. One bad player at Totems and you'd be there for two hours. You know, one bad player at Warpriest, Golgoroth, Sisters, Oryx, one bad player, ah, you can make up the difference, it's fine, we'll, we'll figure it out, we'll clutch it, you know, put him on plate three, put that person there, blah, 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 because again, there was a spectrum of bad, good, and great players, there was a spectrum of requirements, plate standing, night killing, ogre killing, relic running, there was a spectrum of, like, you gotta do different things, We've lost that. You know, raids are just smashed down. They're... I don't know. I feel like I see the matrix when I talk about this. Like, it all makes sense in my brain. I'm like, there's just... Th- th- there's those raids, and then there's these raids. And here's all the differences. And this is why people don't want to teach. And this is why nobody's patient. And this is why raids aren't fun. And as the question before this asked, it's why they're not memorable. I do my best to argue for it and make it make sense. A lot of people are, hear all this and they're like, ah, oh, you're overstating it. They're not that bad. They're fun. That's totally fine. We can see this from different angles, but I, I, I rated like crazy in D1, even when I didn't need rewards. And I just, I can't bring them. I, I struggle to even want to. When I saw moments of triumph, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. I got to run Spire. No. Oh my gosh! It was it was, <laughs> it was complete. It's like a complete role reversal, you know. D two raids have been designed in a way where everyone needs to know how to do a specific encounter, but it really just boils down to people thinking for others. 
I'm not sure I understand what you mean. People can be blamed to a point. The structure of the raids are also to blame. It's a social experiment, Necro. It's a social experiment. The, the People have responded to the new raid design in a particular way. It's on them. They could be patient and, and, and kind and more empathetic. But at the end of the day, they're people with lives and limited schedules. You know? I don't know. I distinctly remember running Last Wish with guided games for an emblem and we had two people doing literally nothing and it was a cakewalk were you were you cheesing Riven though I don't know I've made the absolute best case I can I think this is one of the best rants I've had about the topic and you're free to think differently from me I hope I hope we see a distinct difference in raids in Destiny 2 starting with Beyond Light we used to run King's Fall like crazy G, D, GFS, do you remember who was the guy that carried us through Vogue? Because we didn't know anything. He had a real deep voice and he knew how to run each of the things. He ran Relic and did the things at every encounter. He had to teach us every single thing to do in Vogue. I forget his name. Was it something guy? it wasn't like we had a guy here named thin cool guy it was a name like that i can't remember who who he was i remember distinctly disliking that i did not like going into vog and being like i have no idea what to do i'm 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 hanging on to every word this guy says and then our little rating group would get in big big arguments about crota we were trying to cheese crota and have somebody dashboard quit we would try to get the host dashboard quit which was like pulling the ethernet cable out and i remember finally we were like we could probably just do this legit faster than trying to cheese it so we always had that debate and then around the time that king's fall was a big raid i was streaming and didn't play with my old crew as much um (laughs) so they uh we I remember taking Fawns through Kingsfall though and Fawns freaking out when when orcs you know creeped his uh, popped his little head up so I think that was one of the reasons I really liked teaching people how to raid was because I didn't like when I was on the other end of it when I first experienced Vaults of Glass I did not like that uh, being that dependent upon another person I'm a very independent person so it was like I hate I hated that <laughs> check your Destiny two credits or something. Oh yeah, I could go back and see my first VOG completion to see his name. I don't know where I could find, if that's possible. To see my very, very first Vaults of Glass completion in D1. Alright, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. We spent a long time on that. Holy moly. Um, That was good. That was good back and forth though. That's one of my favorite uh, debates we've had lately. Nova Hands. The bugged Outbreak and Whisper missions were fun. People soloed them, carried friends, played them a lot. Is the answer really to push people into difficult endgame content, or could uncapping power work in older content? Um... You know, I honestly don't know. I think what you're describing is what I would call there's the fun factor, and then there's the aspirational factor. I think it's hard to mix these two together. And I would say here's where there's room for the fun factor. If you remember Daybreak in Nightfalls. That was really, really fun and really, really crazy. It doesn't necessarily blend well with Aspiration. Because you're... The minute you hand me that much power, 
how are you going to maintain difficulty? Now, I've talked about Grandmaster Nightfalls in this way about give positive modifiers along with negative modifiers. I think Bungie's goal with Grandmaster Nightfalls and aspirational content should be the player saying this statement. Everything in here is really, really strong, but so am I. Right now, it's everything in here is really, really strong. End of statement. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So if I was in charge, that would be my design goal. I want players to look at these modifiers, positive and negative, and and, and come to the conclusion that these enemies are going to be really, really strong, but so am I if I do XYZ with my build, if I do this thing with... I I said there should have been like War Mind Cell modifiers. So you're like, if I I spec myself out with War Mind Cells, I'm going to be... In, I'm going to be really, really strong in, in, in this environment. That's the only way I think you really, really achieve this. I think it's difficult to pull this off. I think this is more. I think this is actually more challenging than just making hard content. Look at Borderlands Three, though. I think the game shows more than ever that no one cares about blowing through content and being strong. I've never heard anyone complain about being too strong. People love being overpowered in D2. Oh, I'm not. De- I'm not debating that, Mr. Hanbrolo. I'm not debating that aspect of it. What I'm saying is, it's difficult to do both. You're really, really strong, and this is really, really challenging. That's what this question is positing. Right? Is the answer to push people into difficult endgame content or uncapping power? I think, actually, this question is rightly pitting these things against each other. You're either going to be really, really strong, or it's going to be challenging. I don't think it's really possible to do both. And that's why I think difficulty spectrum, here comes one of Lono's token, you know, words and rants, difficulty spectrum is the answer. Right? Man, we're really, really strong. Next level. Ah, oh, man, we're really, really strong. Let's get a little harder. Next level. Man, we're really, really strong, but dadgummit, these enemies are so tough. Do you see? That's the only way, I, I think difficulty spectrum is the only way that you can create this sense of Yes, you're strong. Yes, it's fun. Yes, you can do crazy melts and bakes, but eventually you're going to get to a point where that's happening less. You know, once you're past a cap, you can't get delta down. When you're under it, normal rules apply. Right. I, I'm telling you, man, contest modifier is the answer. That The intensity that I felt in that dungeon, in the bowl encounter, I'm telling you, there's a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot right there where... Contest can bring intensity. Mechanical pain is a little bit more challenging and I got to approach it in a different way because contest modifier is kind of keep me on my heels. You're not bludgeoning me with a blunt object, which is what grandmasters are. There's, there's, there is more of a, it's fine tuned. There's a fine tuned thing. There's something, man, there's something in the middle, right? It's not super easy. It's not super hard, you know? The guy's name was Dead Mouse on Vogue, but he changed his name to something that I forget. But we did argue a lot on Crota. <laughs> we did. We got in so many arguments at Crota. I remember Fonz and that homie guy. What was his name? Homie. Homies. Remember that guy? Him and Fonz got into it in Crota. Because he did he did something wrong and he wasn't helping with something, and Fonz called him out. <laughs> Homies, <laughs> that guy, that guy was a riot. You couldn't. It was hard to get mad at him because that's he, that's how he talked, man. He like homies. Um, 
No, it wasn't Mousemith, huh? No, this is on Xbox. This is on Xbox. When you say contest, what level of Delta do you want? Uh, swords. What is it? Like a 10 or a 15 Delta? Isn't that what contest does? It's like a 10 or a 15 Delta. And, uh, I think that's fine. The, think of it this way. Think of it this way. When you go into content and you have mechanical pain, DPS pain, and survival pain, okay? You got three plates that you're kind of trying to spin here, right? It was Gunna's cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Gunna's cousin. Yes. Oh, man. Gunnaholic was a, was a loose cannon too, man. Woo, keep him away from the tequila. He, he, I, I, couldn't, I could never have him on stream. That guy was... It was Gunna Gunnaholic was appropriately named. Uh, he was a loose cannon. He get a couple drinks in him. Woo! Look out. Um, you're talking about people I used to raid with, and I'm like wondering if we knew the same peeps. It's possible. These guys played all the time on Xbox. They played all the time. Um. Uh, so yeah, I forget what I was just talking about. Uh, oh yeah, fine tuning. Uh, and the three plates that you're you're spinning. When I go into content and I gotta spin the plate of I gotta stay alive. This is intense. I if I if I'm not if I don't pay attention to this plate, I'll die. Right? There's an intensity. It's applying that pressure. There's the DPS pressure. I gotta make sure I hit my shots, use my heavy, you know, in in the right way. Now again, that we can get into the argument about like just doing mechanics and then damage jumping is a little bit is getting a little bit stupid, and that's why you get into metagaming, right? And then the other pain that you're trying to spin and the pressure is solving and completing the mechanics, right? If I don't have to pay attention to survival because I'm at Delta and survival just is kind of like a given, like I'm not going to die unless I'm a complete bonehead. I am not going to die. Do you want to know what happens? Not having to do deal with that plate suddenly in an over-realized way makes the other two plates way easier. So you literally put that one down. You're like, yeah, you don't have to spin that anymore. Now all you got to do is satisfy the mechanics well that's easier because you're you're not under almost any threat of dying that intensity has gone so now the mechanics are significantly easier to do you do them in probably a sloppy way sometimes you know and then killing the boss doing the dps pfft, what is a joke this is a joke right so there is a a fine tuning and a harmony that i believe takes place when those three plates are spinning the intensity of survival doing the mechanics, trying to kill the boss. I I believe that those, and I also think if you do the thing like they did at Axis, where the mechanics and the damage are interwoven and interdependent, so it's not just a total damage dump, you're having to maintain the room and the the mechanics and the plate slamming and all of that and and, 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 uh, empowered. Well, when that happens, if you had a contest modifier Axis fight, it would probably be, as I said about the Scourge fight, a perfect encounter. It'd be perfect. Because eventually, the Axis fight, even though it was really, really good and really well designed, they had great layers, same thing with the Scourge fight, well, once you're at Delta, it's not it, it, you're not spinning that survival plate anymore, and that survival plate is... is 
it's it's connected it's intrinsically linked to the to the mechanics being difficult and killing the boss feeling difficult the survival element this is why contest modifier is this beautiful wonderful idea that they're not they're not tapping into its potential because it it connects and plugs into mechanical pain and boss killing pain in a really really great way and the minute you remove that cuz you're at delta the encounters don't feel like aspirational content anymore you know it's 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 just un- it's just unfortunate that they don't they don't uh are they don't see that you know what i mean our group was small because we tried to branch out in Call of Duty during Clan Wars, and it was a disaster. So we stayed with a core group because our chem was crazy. Yeah. The other thing that was annoying about Clan Wars, there was at least two or three Clan Wars. I think that was in Ghosts, where that was it. Call of Duty Ghosts, where we did the Clan Wars. There was at least two or three we should have won. We lost to cheaters all the time. They'd have less people than us, and they'd rack more wins because they did the win trading. Then they finally fixed that. But by the time that happened, a lot of our group had lost interest in doing Clan Wars because it was so stressful. I mean, we, we would get so stressed out, and losing to cheaters was really frustrating. Techno. Uh, does the aspirational endgame content need to be accessible? In my opinion, it's aspirational because it's not accessible. I specifically mean if, if in player skill, ability, and gear. If you or your team is lacking in skill, uh, you can still go in, but don't expect to win. See, this is where having your categories and your terms are so important. So, accessibility isn't the same as difficulty. It, they're not the same. They're not in the same category. So, accessibility is an entrance point. Matchmaking, or as some people have asked for, in-game LFG increases accessibility. It doesn't decrease difficulty. As you're saying, a really inexperienced team goes in and let's say they use in-game LFG. Let's say they add in-game LFG. And a bunch of inexperienced people go into the Prophecy Dungeon. Oh, they're, they're probably going to have a hard time. They've never been in there. They're not. Maybe they're not as good. They're not as experienced. Maybe they don't have a really well-rounded loadout. Um, maybe they don't know about the guillotine, you know? And so they're going to have a harder time. I think you're exactly right. This is why I think you can increase accessibility without casualifying the endgame. I don't think those two things are at odds. You can maintain aspiration and maintain challenge and difficulty while increasing accessibility lanes. I believe you can do one without threatening the other. I think you can go too far. I think you can go too far with matchmaking and and all these other things. Oh yeah, throw matchmaking into raids, throw matchmaking into trials, throw matchmaking on a dungeon, Grandmaster Nightfalls. No, I think there's a certain point where you you have to stop the accessibility lane and say, "Uh uh-uh, you gotta make a team to come in here. We're not holding the content at arm's length. You can run Nightfalls. You can run Nightmare Hunts. Why? Because there's matchmaking for the lower tiers. And in-game LFG could create some of those accessibility lanes for, you know, raids and dungeons and trials that I believe it's, it's good to not have matchmaking in there, you know? I don't know if we had anyone who played Call of Duty in our close group, but I think we did. I know my ex is crazy to think how we could have run into you before. I know. I always, I wish there was a way, you know how you run like a family tree? you know, and you learn who, like, your ancestors are, I would love to get a printout report and be like, is there, are there any content creators, YouTubers, or famous people, or people in this community that I ever rubbed shoulders with and played with in the past and didn't know it, you know? That I would love to get, like, a a, like a, a report of that. That'd be cool. That, that, that It's virtually impossible to do, but... 
Mav Monk. With the best or most interesting exotics not being tied to our old mentality of endgame content, what should Bungie do to entice people into challenging activities? Well, I think we have our answer to this in Sunsetting. Hardest content, you know, on the horizon should should have the best stuff, you know? It yeah, it just it I, I would I would say I would say that's that's hopefully coming because it's sort of been promised weapons that quickly came to mind were the wither horde ruinous effigy hard light air apparent fourth horseman uh they're not tied to end game what is the true point well again this is why you need loot hierarchy in the game the absence of loot hierarchy in destiny 2 is another element of why raids just kind of suck you know they just they just kind of suck the loot's just not worth it, you know. Possibly got a gun was a big deal in Call of Duty MW3 and literally had a game mode ban because of us, Team Defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, not only that, not only that, G, when we did our win our win streaks in Modern Warfare 2 in headquarters, uh, I think that led to a lot of their decisions about uh, skill-based matchmaking and them being like anti-pub stomping. Um, you know what I mean? Lonor, our old clan leader definitely recognizes your voice. I've shown him videos before. So does our ex. It's possible on their end at least. Oh yeah, I played Call of Duty all day, every day. It's very, very likely. It's very likely. Rain in the dark. I was very vocal I, in a bad way back then. I was mean. I was a rager. G can attest. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I got untethered a lot. Uh, Rain the Dark. It seems the consensus is that aspirational content shouldn't be as accessible as like strikes or patrols. Instead of asking if endgame should be aspirational, what can Bungie do to incentivize uh, to accessible activities for the bottom rung? To oh, to add incentives to the accessible activities for the bottom rung. Well, if you're asking what they can do to incentivize people going into the end game, I mean, we just we just answered that with the previous question. Like, you got to have loot hierarchy. There's awesome stuff in here. It's it's pinnacle. It's dope. It's it's strong. You know, fill in the blank. Um, now, if you're asking, like, how, could they make more incentives at the lower rung? Uh, that gets dangerous. You don't want to have a disproportionate amount of, of of loot or awesome stuff on the bottom rung. You have to have loot evenly distributed, and you also have to have aspirational content having the best stuff we talked about this with umbral focusing where people wanted the umbral focus for high stat armor i was like no high stat armor should be dropping in challenging content now if you get an umbral engram that drops in hard content i said you could call it like a darkened umbral engram and then it could be focused for high stat but you got to be really really careful here with loot distribution you know Next topic, exotics don't feel rare enough. Do we need a new tier of rarity uh, that is severely rare limited or rare to be seen or highly coveted? Yeah, I don't know if I want to do a whole video on that, but that's a decent topic. Mike, thank you so much for clicking the join button and becoming a Rageless member. Uh, Enjoy the emotes and the perks in Discord. LL LL Brood. In my opinion, the end game is way too straightforward or easy to get into, ignoring the amount of grind. Shouldn't Bungie make higher tiers of activities, like with Contest Mod, and have them as the end game, and the base tier is midish? This is exactly what I argued for in my video. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I I, I think that 
difficulty spectrum is such a, and as you're saying, contest modifier is such a great answer to this problem. It really is. And we can already sort of see that in the Grandmaster Nightfall, Nightfall difficulty spectrum and the Nightmare Hunt difficulty spectrum, you know? So Lightleaf says, we had that with Catalyst and people already cried they were too rare. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like Catalysts. I don't. And the exotic should be an exotic. I, I don't have strong opinions on exotics because I like grinding for rolls, not grinding for a drop, if that makes sense. Right? Am I dope and deserve dope stuff? You are dope and deserve dope stuff, Mike. I have to bring that one back. Everybody misses me saying that. Um... Yeah, I it, it, I don't get really strong on the exotic, like, exotic should be super duper rare for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're super influential in PvP, they're super influential in endgame, uh, endgame DPS thresholds. And if you make them awesome, and you make them influential, and you can't get one, it's infuriating. It, like, I don't know. I I don't think we gain anything by going back to six months without the Gallerhorn. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think we gain anything by going back to that area. Do you really think that, you know, 50 plus runs with no anarchy, you think that's good? You, you think you think that's good for the players? Good for the game? I don't think so. That's difference of opinion. You might think it'd become more special if that happens, but I think that content relevancy doesn't last long enough for that level of, of scarcity. That's, that's how I'm going to answer it. That's going to be my 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 platitude content relevancy does not last long enough for that level of scarcity that's dissonant like you're going to try and argue for the anarchy drop rate i mean the how long is the raid relevant a month to three months maybe raid exotics are a bit different because targeted farm needs an end you, I'm telling you, you just you got to be careful. The minute you add that level of rarity, this game this game doesn't have doesn't have a longevity and a relevancy. Content just starts to fade, and people want to do something else. And I also think we're not playing an MMO; we're playing an action MMO. We're not playing a traditional MMO, I should say. I don't want to start that debate again. But Destiny is its own game. It's it's far more casual than I think a lot of people make it. And if you want to start injecting hardcore traditional MMO sentimentality with rarity of an item, you know, exotic and scarab lord titles and stuff like that, I I just don't think that belongs in Destiny, you know. That's my opinion. I mean, you can you can think differently on it. Do you think endgame activities should be tied to light level rather than a normal and hard mode with loot incentive? I mean, these are, I don't believe these things um, are at odds. I think leveling should be more automatic, and then that's how you distinguish between a normal and a hard mode. Yeah, I think I think that's how you do it, because it gives you something to aspire to and level up for, but if leveling is more streamlined, then you're not getting gatekeeped by RNG, right? Being, uh, being, uh, being being you know gatekeeped out of content because of uh because of a an rng based leveling system is terrible i suppose you're actually pretty right there i am kind of just uh projecting my wants onto the game itself instead of acknowledging what it is yeah i like i don't want to dismiss somebody's desire to have exotics be more rare and more special but like i just don't think that's the kind of game destiny is there's not enough 
I don't even think there's enough loot in the game to warrant that. I just, a couple of exotics a season, and you make them drop really, really extremely rare. That just doesn't seem to jive with player sentimentality, behavior, the genre, the game, the rhythm of the content, the depth of the content, the longevity and relevancy of the content. None of that lines up with scarcity and rarity. The game is the game is coming into its own and more like bite-sized morsels of longevity. Now, hang with me. You can have bite-sized morsels of longevity seasonally and then have depth beneath it. With god roll farming, stat, you know, build crafting, needing currency to maxing your armor. Like that's depth. That's different than scarcity. This is where they have to fine-tune generosity and intentionality. You want to get a god roll from a raid, but you can only run it three times a week. Ugh. That's at that's at odds with the with the bite-sized morsel seasonal relevancy structure. It's it's dissonant. It's also dissonant and at odds with sunsetting. So they got to fine-tune that. So if you're trying to fine-tune all this intentionality, generosity, sunsetting, more seasonal content, it's more rhythmic. Okay, and then you have this super, super scarce, rare, exotic. It's like, why is that even in the game? Why are you doing that? That's why people zeroed in on 1K and Anarchy, because it was like, this doesn't feel like it's in line with the way the game is structured and the identity and the, and the, and the rhythm of how new content comes out. In Wrath, you could have the best Sherpa clutch run on your 50th raid. In D2, that would never happen. Your 50th last wish is just another completion. Mass, thank you for the five dollar tip through super chat and a, a, a really really well made point. The, the 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 spectrum of experience is very narrow and very samey in 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 D 2s rating. Mister Han Brolo, it seems like Bungie are still trying to find what they want in the end game. Grandmaster Nightfalls, uh, like the corrupted, are difficult and not fun compared to a raid like Garden the Prophecy Dungeon. Why do you think there is so much disparity between end game content? Well. I can give you a generic speculative answer about some of this. I think Grandmaster Nightfalls are an experiment to 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 inform endgame nightfall structure and challenge and everything for year four. Right? I think it's an experiment. Um I also think Bungie is okay with Hey, we build dungeons. They said this on their ride along, right? We build dungeons to be soloable. That's how we build them from the beginning, and then we, you know, and then we allow three people to go in that's kind of where they go how hard can we make it for one person to solo flawless you take it right to the edge and then they're done that's their dungeon right and then you then you have other people that can go and you get three people so and that's very different than a whisper or an outbreak mission or a raid right so i think bungie's okay with having different um almost like different content genres in the end game it's different and I think when they look at Grandmaster Nightfall, I, 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 again, I describe it as a blunt object. It's just not a lot of nuance, not a lot of depth or dynamics. It's just wham! It just hits you. And that makes the content very one-dimensional. The build and the solutions is very, very face-tanky, very stupid, very passive, very non-Destiny gameplay. Um... So I would argue that if you look at a raid or you look at a whisper mission or an outbreak mission or or you look at a dungeon, they all have their identity within the context of Destiny. Grandmasters feel way out of left field. They don't feel they don't feel like Destiny. Sitting back and hiding and 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 coming up with the like really really stupid solutions of, you know, not getting shot basically. Um 
you're turning it into like a quasi cover based shooter it's like all of a sudden I'm playing Division or something. Do you remember Division 1 when the challenging content, that's all it was, was sit in cover with healing stations and it was absurdly slow and not fun and stupid? That's what Grandmaster Nightfalls are. It's like, all right, listen, Bungie, go back in time, watch the ill-received endgame of Division 1 and you're just freaking building that. That's all Grandmasters are, is bludgeoning someone in the face with Delta and, 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 uh, and negative modifiers and it's it, it was disliked in division one for the same reason i don't think it's very popular now and some i think some people were like oh it's not that bad well you get in the right strike like the one we have like you're referencing like the corrupted no absolutely not this content wasn't designed to be stretched in this way you're stretching you're stretching the dough way too thin and holes are you know developing it just isn't good content Flatten the difficulty in terms of modifiers and such. That isn't mechanical difficulty to me. It's just sponginess and damage tanking. Yeah, the solution is so one-dimensional and boring. It just, I don't know. It, nobody, nobody, I don't think can, I don't think anybody has made a good defense of Grandmaster Nightfalls. I don't. I think people have philosophically defended it. Well, it's good for really hardcore people to have something to do. Okay, no, press the pause button. I agree with that sentiment. That is not a defense of the design of Grandmaster Nightfalls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Necrogen. I believe that the game is very accessible for everyone, but I believe that we lack choices. I believe Bungie should allow a new system like crafting so that we have a new purpose in the game. I'd like to know what your thoughts about this. Man, you really ham-fisted this question in here, Necrogen. This is not related at all. <laughs> this is quite the non-sequitur, my friend. I know you really want to talk about crafting. This is really ham-fisted, though. Um, I mean, I love you, and I love your passion. <laughs> this is very forced. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an answer, though, okay? This game doesn't have the combat depth or the loot diversity and depth for crafting to work, all right? Crafting is a big, giant ogre, and we don't have room for it in the game. It's going to come in, and it's going to break It's gonna break the ceiling and the furniture and the walls. It's going to destroy the, the, the feng shui of destiny. Do you understand? Crafting is huge. It You need so much depth... You need so much diversity in builds and stats and con. We don't have we don't have that in Destiny, you know. Now, I, listen, this is where I draw a distinction between customization and crafting. I do think there is room for customization of like sites, you know, the you know, and the scopes on weapons. Because that experientially affects the game. As long as it's not influencing stats, like, I really like this False Promises AR. I absolutely hate the sight on it. So if I could customize the sight without messing with the stats, that's not crafting. There's a difference between customization and crafting, okay? I would give you some low-level customization. But crafting doesn't fit. Just put it in. I mean that's a meme right just put it in forehead just just build forehead like you're memeing now like this game isn't built foundationally it's not built to contain the depth of combat 
the depth of stats and the depth of gear it's not built to contain that because that is what would be necessary for crafting it's like trading the game there's not enough here you're gonna murder loot pursuit with crafting or trading you're gonna absolutely murder it like i'll give you an example Think of how easy it was. Season of Dawn was an overswing. Way too generous, way too much intentionality, okay? Super easy to get the guns that you wanted with the rolls that you wanted. It was way way too easy, all right? So, when when, when you look at that season, okay... When you look at that season and you say, yeah, well, that was too much. I believe that can can give you a glimpse into what crafting and trading would do to this game. The minute you, you, sh- you, you cut short the grind to get the thing that you want, to get the role that you want, it causes problems. Now, the pendulum swung. It was like, wow, worthy, way too generous, way too much intentionality. It was like we were literally ordering value meals at the end of the sundial. And then, woof, the pendulum swings all the way back. And Season of the Worthy is not generous. And it's really, really hard. And it's slow to get all the things that you want. So, I think when you look at that, you can clearly see crafting would not work in this game now i agree with jstock the only thing i would say is i since we can change the affinity on armor i think logically you can say we should be able to change the masterwork on a gun we should we should, we should change be able to change the masterwork you finally get the role you want it's exactly how you want it and you get the wrong masterwork you're like i got i got reload and i wanted range or handling right so i i i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say that like i i i get and here's and here's the problem. It's not that you want something that's bad. It would be bad in Destiny. You know how I always say leveling isn't bad. We have bad leveling. You don't want something that's bad, but it's bad for Destiny. You're you're basically if my daughter really really believed that she really would would be would be healthier and better if she could have eggs. Okay, she has a severe egg allergy. So it's like, eggs are not bad, but they're bad for her, and trading and crafting are not inherently bad. They're re- they would be really bad for Destiny. This game, I think, would have a very severe allergic reaction to putting crafting and to putting, and to putting trading into this game. You, you, don't, you don't know what you're asking for. You're asking for something that would destroy this game at its core. All you have to do is go back to when folks could re-roll in the tower. It was awful. It was admittedly, this has been admitted by players and Bungie alike that that was terrible. So, you're, I, I would, I would say, I would say, by and large, you don't want something bad, it would be bad in Destiny, ultimately. Uh, free gaming with a $10 tip through Super Chat. Being in a clan for years in D2, endgame content isn't very accessible for me. The issue seems to be time involved to complete said endgame content. Is time an issue in endgame content? Um, again, thank you for the tip. I don't think so, no. I, I, I think that's a natural... That's that, that just feels logical. Think about it from like... Everything goes up in time. It, it's, it, it exists on a scale. Okay? Law Sector Public Event Adventure. Whoop, down here, real quick. Strikes, quicker. Um, 
uh, Nightfalls, a little bit longer. Uh, dungeons and, and uh, maybe exotic quests, a little bit longer. And then raids, a little bit longer. There's just a scale. I think that scale is reasonable, fair, it's logical, you know. Oh man, I, I should be able to run a raid in the same time I run a strike. <laughs> Easy does it. You're flipping the game on its head. You're flipping the scale on its head. That doesn't work. So, time is a factor, but the danger here is you can't legislate a game to personal uh, personal life situations. Well, I just had a baby, and I can no longer play five hours a day. I can play maybe one hour a night if I'm lucky. Man, I wish raids didn't take so long. I feel for you. I've had kids, and certain things fall by the wayside, right? A baby changes everything. It's like the song says, right? So... <laughs> But I can't come to a developer and be like, man, Endgame just shouldn't be so time-consuming because I had a baby and I can't play as much anymore. Your life situation just cannot cannot dictate uh, game structure. So, because what ends up happening is, is you, you dilute, right? You dilute logic, logical soundness to the game because you're like, well, I, I need a raid to take uh, no longer than a 30-minute period. Because I'm just really in a spot in my life where that's all that's all I can do, you know? You'll be back, Necrogen. Listen, I welcome debate and disagreement. I got news for you. You are trying to climb a hill that is slicked in Greece. I don't think you can make any strong arguments for crafting and destiny. The only way I could see you doing it is super, super qualifying it to the point that it wouldn't be traditional crafting. It would be like changing the masterwork or something or changing a barrel or a, or a site. You're going to have to qualify it and trim it down so much that it won't even really be traditional traditional crafting. You know, I I don't know. Do 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 your worst. Do your worst. I welcome I welcome a good sparring partner jumping in the ring and trying to debate me on stuff like this. I think you're choosing one of the hardest hills to climb cuz crafting and trading are there they they're man, that's tough. That's going to be a tough fight. You know what I mean? closest we got to crafting was the menagerie yeah and that's I think menagerie is my argument that we should be able to change masterwork because you could choose it in the menagerie but there was still RNG on the roll you know five bucks from free gaming good point but the time investment versus reward for end game content seems lacking 100% agree with you that is supposed to change in year four free gaming you are supposed to get better gear in the end game starting in year four so there won't be this man that took an hour and a half and I got guns and loot that are no better than than garden variety crap I can get from world world drops you know what I mean I'll be writing it and sending it to you I'm not going to read a thesis. Jump in the ring in Q&A or chat and I'll, I'll debate you. I'm not reading your thesis on crafting, homie. I'm too busy and I don't really care to do that. You come you come play on my playground. I'm not coming and playing on yours. I'm way too busy, bro. <laughs> like I'm just being real. I have had people write dissertations in emails about ideas they have and things that they think Bungie could do. And I'm like, bro, throw that on Reddit. I got no time for that. With love in my heart. I'm I can't read your dissertation. I just can't. 
I shut down my stream and hang out with my wife and children and, 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 and grill for dinner and then I schedule videos for the next day and I go to bed. I don't have time for that. <laughs> so you want to jump in the ring? You put it in You put it in the, in the, in the Discord and I'll do my best to read it but you know I just that's not that's not uh, that's not my cup of tea. <laughs> not it's not even my not my cup of tea. I don't have time for it. Um, should all end game have settings normal and hard and should there be matchmaking runs for raids up to the first encounter only for players to in order to get used to the mechanics I mean obviously if, you, if you've been up if you've been here up to now you know that I think yes normal and hard and difficulty spectrum needs to return 100% uh, matchmaking just for the first encounter in a raid um, yeah I don't know I, I like that you're really um I really like that you're trying to trim it down and and, and be and be careful with it because it could be bad. It, it, it could it could hurt and harm, you know, a raid. Um, I don't think matchmaking is a good solution. It is a solution. It's just not a good solution. That's what I argued in my video. I believe it's it's a mechanical. Here, fine. Shut up. Here's here, here's matchmaking. It was like when Twitch added affiliate ship, right? We're sick of all you never going any... I'm, 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 being, I'm trying to be nice here, but like, we're sick of all you streamers that just, you're never going to hit partner levels. You just aren't, okay? That's the honest-to-goodness truth. There's thousands of people that will never hit partner status. So what did Twitch do? Mechanical automation. Boom. You, here's affiliate ship. Now leave us alone. Right? And then they, they, they that limits how many people come and, and try to be partner. That's what matchmaking in a raid would be. Just shut up. Here, fine. Here's matchmaking. Just shut up. Here. Get out of here. Go. There you go. Have fun. There, yeah, fine. Yep. Go matchmake into your raids and see how you like it. Right? It's not a good solution. It's a solution. I think in-game LFG, since we already have the group finder on the app, shove that into the game. Or at the very least, at the very least, really, really, because they, they do in-game notifications and, and, and announcements now. At the very least, in-game say, hey, you can you can, uh, you can can use the, uh, the, the group finder on the app. We encourage people to use that. Like, how many people don't even know about it, right? Shuram Baller says... Could, could easier access to crafting material or more places to farm crafting material entice solo and more casual players into engaging endgame content and make it more helpful to build and experiment with different loadouts? So when you say crafting, what they mean is like leveling up the masterwork of your items so you can try different loadouts and builds and stuff. I really think Bungie should consider removing some of the barriers to building and experimenting. And this is why in another video I said that this first category, choosing between you know, resilience, recovery, mobility, intellect, strength, and discipline should be free, and the real choices should be made over here, with weapon mods, reload, scavenger, all that, and then the then the seasonal mods. That should be the true that should be the true choice. Okay. I think I think that should be the true choice. So um you're you're getting at something that I've I've looked at. The idea that like I can't I, I just I, it's too costly and too tedious to really build craft so I'm just not going to uh, I do think Bungie needs to consider how to approach that this what you're saying is a potential idea hey it's you know it's easier to get the currency it's easier to you know there there's a variety of approaches here I've I've got a handful of ideas some of which I just outlined and that's about all I can say um 
would it incentivize casuals to engage with it and try it out more? Maybe. Maybe. If they're casual, do they care about building a loadout? They might not. They might not even have an affinity for it. Free gaming with another $5 tip and super chat. A thought just popped in my head. What if Bungie promoted clans more and had a clan browser and game? Yeah, we talked about that yesterday in the clan talk. Um, integrating a clan search in the game that would say, okay, we analyzed your gameplay for the last three months. You're East Coast. You play in the evenings. Here are clans with lots of people that fit that bill. Also, you you know you play more PVE than PVP. Same idea, right? Here's here are here are clans that fit that bill. I think that would be really really good to put into the game. Yes, we discussed that yesterday. Henry Solo, uh, what if matchmaking for raids had a variable you could change for clear requirement? Could they would they need to change the ability to leave it in the middle of a raid? That would they you should you couldn't leave uh, like a vote to go to orbit or a kick to leave? Oh. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to let people, like, kick somebody out. I think that is one of the challenges. I don't think matchmaking in a raid would work. And what You can't leave. What do you mean? I can turn my Xbox off. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean I can't leave? I, I can force quit the game. Um, every time you come back in, like, what, are you lost in the dark corners of time? Like, you're always in the raid for forever. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think this... This doesn't seem to solve anything. And also, making a raid clear requirement for matchmaking seems kind of counterproductive. Man, I really wish I could get into a raid and use and, and and use matchmaking. You know, we can't give you the job because you don't have experience. Well, I can't get experience because nobody will give me a job, right? You can't use raid matchmaking because you need clears. Well, I can't get clears because I can't use raid matchmaking, right? So, it's pretty easy to get the materials. If you do the pit heresy three times a week and dismantle the gear, you get 18 enhancement cores. I think... Wheezy, there is some consideration that should be made with respect to distribution of masterworking materials as well as the the pain of swapping mods and costing glimmer and oh man, if I want to try out these new seasonal things, I gotta disrupt all my stats. I think there is something to be said for that. You're making experimentation to even if it's even if you could cl- you could claim it's not that costly. It ex- feels costly and tedious and time-consuming. Ex- experimentation right now in Destiny is not prized or encouraged or and the wheels are not greased. It's tough to experiment. I mean, all you gotta do is look at the ever-increasing cost to reset your artifact and uh, glimmer for every mod swap and how many materials it takes to open up slots on a piece of armor just because you want to try something out. How disruptive swapping mods is to your stats, right? There's all these hurdles and all these barriers. Experimentation is not encouraged right now. It's not incentivized and the wheels are not greased. It's tough to want to do it and and it, it's they need to consider that. The question is, what is gained by making it costly, tedious, and frustrating? What's gained? What is lost if they make it a little bit easier, a little bit more streamlined? What's lost? And if you make it a little bit easier and you grease those wheels, you're gaining something as well. You're gaining more experimentation, people being more excited about seasonal mods, people being more excited about new weapons, new perks, new combinations, right? You're gaining... I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're gaining anything by making it tough to masterwork, costly to masterwork, costly to swap mods. It, it disrupts my stats. Like, I, I think they need to grease those wheels. You got, you got to grease those wheels. Um, 
It's costly because the build is different when it's skimmed by only having low energy armor than having the same build on completely masterwork armor. Right, I just, I don't know. That would be me. If I was if I was talking to the, t- the, the armor team, what are ways we can rethink armor 2.0 and refine it or better it? That would be my statement. Your job right now is to incentivize it and grease those wheels. Make it something people can do and make it something that, p- that, that people want to do. As opposed to right now, it's like, uh, I'm just going to run strikes, bounties, run a couple raids. I don't really need to mess around with all this crap. It's just too time consuming and too expensive. Ash and Hollow. Are Grandmaster Nightfalls considered true endgame? I I don't consider them true endgame. I consider it a slap together experimental punt. It's 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 like, well, nobody really has anything. You know, the redeem boys don't have anything to do. So let's just punt and do an experiment. And it's just thoughtless and blunt. It's like I said, it's a blunt instrument. It, it, I don't think it's true endgame at all. True endgame is hard mode dungeon, hard mode raid. That to me is true endgame with contest that that to me is that that's true endgame true endgame is not 12 negative modifiers in an absurd delta that that few people can even entertain the idea true endgame is not a ham-fisted difficulty spectrum that ruins encounters and ruins strikes i i don't, I don't know making masterwork harder to gain makes the armor cooler to see when you see people with masterwork armor right now when i see masterwork armor i'm just like cool you spend some easily acquired mats I mean, but you could move, you could move the investment goalpost, couldn't you, Sushi? Couldn't you say that masterworking is easier so you can experiment? And then once you get a build, experimentation brings proficiency. So fully masterworking your armor, yeah, no big deal that, you know, it costs currency, make it a lot easier to do. But then you get a build with all these different mods you know, you get all these different mods and you get a build going. And then the more you run that build, you be, you get proficiencies. Maybe those mods get, uh, they level up in tier. So when you see somebody with a, a sword, seasonal mod, really cool build, you know, and all their mods are tier level three and they got the little outline on them. And maybe they even down here underneath, they get some kind of a set bonus perk or something like that is that that right there is the oh man that's somebody who's really put some time in on that particular build you remove that barrier of master working and cost of swapping mods and and oh you have to disrupt your stats to even experiment remove all those barriers and then you add investment on the back end well the more you run this build you get proficiencies on those mods once they're all fully proficient and leveled up you could get bonuses or something that'd be visible on the player or the stats or something over here you know that's a that's a um, that's the way that I would approach it. That's I call that the well behind the wall. You basically have this wall that you get over, make the wall a little bit shorter. You, know, you get over the wall of master working and experimentation, and the well on the other side of it is this depth of the more you use this build, the more you refine the build, you'll see proficiencies and and the the, the mods and the build itself will get better with time. So your you're 10 steps ahead of the guy that just that day decided to try that build out right i think that's good pushback like a really really good build with with a sword and a shotgun and the seasonal mod and all this stuff the difference between you and this other person is basically oh they watched a video they upgraded all the armor and slapped it all together and you're like well you know i get it makes it less special and less like oh i really invested in this 
Gilly in the Mist says, uh, How do you properly balance contest modifier and a sense of progression? It seems pointless to have a raid consistently hard, no matter what your power level is. Can you feed the fire that leveling is pointless? Oh, it could feed the fire that leveling is pointless. Well, no, not necessarily. Okay, because if you're grossly underleveled, contest modifier still is it's easier for the people that have leveled up. So there would still be a spectrum of like, I'm really glad I've taken the time to level up and get all this stuff, because if I don't, it, it I see skulls instead of swords, right? The other element to this, and I think it's important that you bring this up, is you gear up in normal for the hard mode for the hard mode there's intrinsic perks on the guns maybe there's intrinsic perks and benefits on the armor that you're gearing up to prepare for hard mode you know so it's not it's not like oh leveling is pointless in in some respect you're making leveling just as pointless well now that i've leveled up everything's easier like, I, don't, I don't think that's good power fantasy I think better power fantasy comes from I got these guns with these intrinsic perks there's these new mods, there's these perks and things that come from the raid and I've got this build that makes this fight easier that's a better that's a better power fantasy than I played a lot and the number went up and now I'm strong what? W- wouldn't you rather have a strong build? you know? Like, when I got a tier 10 discipline build, I had max discipline, Starfire Protocol, and we finessed the Axis fight, that's power fantasy. I'm doing tons of damage. We're really efficient. Why? Because we've mastered and finessed this fight, and I I have a build that I worked on. I got a, I got a tier 12 build, maximum discipline. Everyone was always like, how is he throwing fusion grenades so fast? That's power fantasy. Not, well, I played for 16 hours a day, my number's higher, and now the content's easier. Oh, come on. That's, you're, you're letting Bungie off easy if you think that's power fantasy. You're letting them off easy. There's got to be more to it than that. TK Lotus. Do you think contest modifier ends up being a cheap way of creating challenge in the end game? I think something distinct but subtle happens in the psyche when you nerf the player versus buffing the enemy uh, when it comes to challenging content. I made a big argument earlier about spinning plates and how having that survival plate spinning, it affects the other plates. I've got to do damage. I've got to satisfy these mechanics. The minute you remove that survivability plate, the mechanics and the boss damage becomes very easy. Sounds to me like Lona was saying, let's ditch leveling because it's not even interesting to gameplay. Uh, like all this other action-oriented stuff. I mean, that's a that's a very different paraphrase of, of how I would phrase it. I would say, streamline leveling. Leveling is needed. Leveling creates a sense of aspiration of, that stuff's out of reach. I need to level up to go do that or it's going to be way harder. Uh, slot leveling would also remove the need to infuse. Like, like, I think leveling is fine. It just needs to be streamlined. I think leveling is good because it gives a sense of progression, time in, time, you know, progression out, the sense of I'm climbing in the world, but I think true power fantasy goes far beyond that. And and to this question from TK Lotus, I think the the intensity and the effect that comes from a need of survival that you get from a delta, I think like it really connects well. It dovetails really well with the mechanical pain. I'm going to continue to cite the bowl encounter in the dungeon. The intensity of the delta dovetailed really well with the mechanical pain that you were asking me to, to satisfy. They, they come together very, very well. 
For some reason, it just feels better when you know you're beating a truly powerful enemy and not just being nerfed. Right, but on the same token, TK, doesn't it feel... I've, I've made this statement before. A, a sense of power is better felt when it's you're overcoming something that feels powerful and challenging, okay? And I've said, I could hand you a gun in the game. I could go into the background as a developer, like, tick, 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 tick. Okay, here, this gun one-shots everything. It's technically really powerful. And if I asked you, after an eight-hour play session, do you feel really powerful? And you're like, no, nothing was difficult. I didn't feel like I overcame anything. Boom, dead, boom, dead, boom, dead. Boss, boom, dead. Like, it's technically powerful. What do you mean you don't feel powerful? I gave you something that's really powerful. You see? Feeling powerful necessitates the enemy also feeling powerful. Like, we really overcame that. That's why raids get boring. That's why they're not memorable. Because you just, you're, you're like, I'm really strong. Boom. Down goes the boss. One face. Boom. You lose. You lose something. That there is something that happens when that intensity of the delta dovetails with a mechanical requirement, so you can't just lead foot dumb dumb stand there. You've got to move. You've got to keep your your head on a slight swivel. I'm not saying skulls beat the snot out of you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that you lose something when that plate spin of survivability just goes away. And you're like, yeah, I, I, if you die in here, you're you're terrible. I can dodge every nine seconds and heal with worm husk. Are you freaking kidding me? You see what I'm saying? You're just, you're powerful on paper, but you're not powerful in the experience. Next question, Eknor. Vault space has been a problem for me with all the armor that you have to save for mods and weapons. What can be done there? Can locking weapon rolls and armor work in collections uh, to reacquire? Yeah, there's a tension here of like, if you ever want to go back and run Garden of Salvation and have the mods, you got to keep those those armor sets. Yeah, and you're getting cluttered, and then you know you got collections, you got vault. There needs to be a, a, a coalescence. I don't even know what you'd call it. There needs to be a, a, a combination here of like the, the 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 collections in the vault need to come together and solve this problem for us. Um, now they got to be careful with like mods kind of getting sunset because the mods that are attached to certain armor pieces like at some point you know charge with light builds will go away potentially you know in the end game in the end game and I think Bungie needs to be able to do that because they can introduce really truly powerful awesome seasonal stuff and then you're like yeah in a year or so that won't be end game viable so have a ball with that crazy seasonal build but we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sunset it you know the torch I think the larger issue with accessibility stems from leveling I'm 1074 my homies are 1060 because they don't want to grind they would be capable of Grandmaster Nightfalls if the difficulty was based on contest modifier rather than actual level yeah we've you're saying skip it no worries torch I, I, I want I'm glad you submitted this this is a perfect example of why leveling is awful and it causes uh, it causes fractures in 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 clans and player player friends list because it's like 
I had good RNG or I AFK'd forges or I whatever whatever you did you know maybe you got in while the getting was good on the powerful bumps from the umbrals and the AFK forging and they didn't so now they're like I'll forget it I literally had people say that AFK forging saved the season for them that's what Lightleap said he's like I couldn't do it again but I was able to do that I was able to skip over leveling and now I got to enjoy dungeon grinding and all this stuff you get to enjoy that if you get to enjoy that if you can just kind of like bypass it and keep in mind you get to enjoy it with your friends like right now you could be as you're saying you could be running that content with your friends and you're not you're not why leveling is a is a stupid rng based hurdle get out of here just get it out of here it's necessary leveling's not bad we have bad leveling make it streamlined it's not content leveling is not content stop listening to hardcore youtubers and streamers who argue for slow arduous leveling they bypass it they cheese it they say bounties they are inconsistent in their position almost every time you find somebody who's pro slow leveling they are inconsistent in how they approach it they do everything they can to bypass it and and glide over it and i'm telling you I've said this very, very many times. All the people that were pro-slow leveling and pro-costly infusion, the minute they took a big, long break from the game, and then they came back from the game, and they wanted to run the dungeon, they got smacked in the face with their own terrible philosophy about leveling infusion, and they all changed their position, because they were like, ah, yeah, I don't like this. Once I'm on the other end of this, and I'm not destiny rich, and handing off bounty season to season, and I took a break and came back, and I wanted to play the new hotness, and I couldn't, and I had bad RNG and bad drops that kept me from certain deltas and enjoying the content. Yeah, th- I'm not a fan of this. All of a sudden, their position changed. Why? Because they suddenly were on the other end of the spectrum, which is why I always argued against leveling and costly infusion, because I took up for the players that don't play eight hours a day. So they've, they've, they've got to streamline this. Leveling, even at its worst, w- w- was taking hardcore players two weeks. It's not some enduring value point. It's not lasting. It's not like, yeah, dude, two months into the season, I'm really still enjoying this slow leveling that I argued for. No. You play the game in an inordinate way the first couple of weeks, hit max level, and the rest of the, the, the community is on a stupid treadmill of futility. RNG should not affect leveling. Leveling should be more streamlined, and infusion should go away, and we should go to slot leveling. Those are all things that need to happen for this game's entrance point, like accessibility door gets better. I got news for you. Game Pass and other big giant open funnels of a, hey, come play our game, all that's for naught if you, if you keep leveling and infusion the way that it is. Just trust me on this. You got people that are checking the game out via Game Pass and New Light and Beyond Light. Oh my gosh, all this stuff. You're like, yeah, welcome. Okay, so leveling is gear-based. RNG can screw you. There's a currency you have to buy from the gunsmith to infuse stuff. And when you're actually hitting a certain level, you're not at that level unless you equip all your highest level stuff. So there's not a sense of progression and a sense of achievement when you hit max level or you're close to max level. It and their head's going to explode. They're going to be like, I'm not playing this freaking game. I don't feel like I'm making any progress at all. I don't understand it. I, I thought I hit this level, but I'm not that level. I have to equip this. I got to get this currency to raise this thing up. My rocket launcher is 1075 and my, my machine gun's 1067. What is this? No. 
streamline leveling, slot leveling, get rid of infusion, or you're going to lose all these people that try to jump in the game to understand what in the world's going on. And they sunset uh, your gear that you put all the time and effort to and start all over again. It'll, it'll never, it'll never, it'll never feel that way. No, 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 no. Sunsetting is too slow for that to be true. No. Sunsetting will feel like a rolling sort of every once in a while you'll have to, um, you'll have to like replace something. Also keep in mind, Philbo, sunsetting doesn't affect the casuals. <laughs> the, the new players, the inexperienced players, the people jumping in with, you know, uh, y- uh game pass. That's you're you're not you're, they're they're not going to even be worried about sunsetting. <laughs> they're not even there. The, the hardcore players are the ones you know all upset about sunsetting, and they're going to forget about it the minute new hotness and new gear and new dopeness comes out. Trust me on this. They do every time. Oh, I can't believe they're doing this, and then they jump back in. So that was a great great Q and A. Amazing, awesome, really fun back and forth. One of the longer Q and A sessions lately. Really close to two hours. We're gonna do VIP call in here in a little bit. If you're VIP tier or higher, you can call in and do discussion uh, with me. Yeah, sorry, this is later than normal. We don't have like a rigid schedule here. So for VIPs that want to do call ins, it is a bit of a when we kind of fly by the seat of our pants here. If you want to join in for VIP call in sessions, you got to be a VIP or higher on Patreon or YouTube. So you can use sntrpresents.com to go to the Patreon, or you can click the join button on YouTube or hit exclamation point join. So we're going to end this this video segment recording. I'm going to stay live, though, and then we're going to transition to VIP. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, you can find this on Google Play. Uh, you can find SNTR Presents on Spotify. Those are all the various places you can listen or watch, but you can also come watch me live at SayNoToRage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session that followed the Q&A session and video about endgame accessibility. If you wanted to take part in these VIP call-in sessions, you can pick a VIP tier on YouTube. Just click the join button or you can go to SNTRPresents.com and you can pick the VIP tier on Patreon and then just sync it up with Discord. So that is how we do this. Uh, and we're doing more stuff for VIPs as well as all levels of support. We're coming up with fun game nights, more show ideas, and this is just one great way to support. This will probably be the fullest VIP we've done yet. A lot of people calling in today. So appreciate you. If you're listening in all those other locations, you can always try and get here during the week, Monday through Friday. Say no to rage.com will get you here. All right, we're going to Darksider first. What do you got? So, before I start, do you think that heroic public events are accessible or not? Um, I, the word accessible is hard to apply here because it's accessible because anybody can do it. But I think the fact that it's a, a mystery, like if you don't, like you have to figure it out, right? It's not in plain sight. And the fact that other people can ruin it, you know, they can kill something faster than you can satisfy it. I think that, like, grates against it being uh, it's accessible because anybody can do it but it's easy to not know about it if you're kind of oblivious and it's also easy for other people to mess with it it's not only just easy to not know about it it's literally impossible to know about it if you don't search the internet for it because let's take the taken blight for example Mm -hmm. if you go to it and how to turn it heroic there's absolutely no hint or any possibility for the player to naturally figure it out in the flow of the gameplay. 
like how should a player figure out go inside into the blight go out should the ring repeat over and over yeah i mean the only thing i would say is maybe they would say it's it's on your kill feed so if you go in the blight and then step out and see it because a lot of times people don't stay in or they get knocked out or something um i i also think that's something bungie likes to do um they like to say you know there's there's going to be things you got to kind of figure out on your own it's almost like they're writing a song that we understand like it's it's not for everybody it's like the destiny community kind of gets that there's this kind of layers to the game and secrets and things you can do in a different way um but i do think i do think heroic public events are they're really really old they were in, you know, Destiny 2 Vanilla was when they were kind of, you know, instituted. And I, I do think there's a, there's a lack of thoughtfulness uh, to to them. And it's especially frustrating when you were trying to do the one on the Tangled Shore. There was like a quest or something and you were trying to do it and everybody always just bakes the boss. They also have to consider that too. So that's where I think there's a lack of thoughtfulness. If somebody is doing the public event as it's designed and they're doing it really fast, that grading against going heroic I think is really bad design that mean, that brings to me why I think ex- endgame content is not accept- not accessible but is very easy to do best example for why it isn't accept- accessible mm-hmm. is the vo- vote encounter in the last wish I wo- didn't play during the time but I watched the first world first race streams of it and literally the only solution anybody came to it was brute force guessing it because mm-hmm. the game absolutely did not provide any expectations of what it expects the player to do like if you were given do what we want you to do but we're not going to tell you what we want you to do like you were given nine symbols and the word ant umbra and penumbra without mm-hmm. knowing astronomy or what the how the shadows react what penumbra and anumbra mean you had absolute no way of figuring out how the encounter would work. And that's why I don't think hard end game content isn't accessible because Bungie isn't creating in game the necessary methods for the players to ease to relatively easy and in a relative normal manner of time to figure it out. Yeah. Without I- go- watching a guide or going to an external site that explains this to you, you have basically no way except for brute forcing every possibility yeah I, the vault is such a unique piece of content though I think I feel like most of the encounters teach you on the there's the kill screen that says things that's how I figured it out we actually the day day one raid race of last wish I think we might have been the one of the first maybe not the first we were one of the first teams to actually figure it out because we were brute forcing it according to the way other teams had done it and I finally said, it says cleanse, like we're supposed to remove that symbol, and then we, we basically piece it together, and I put the solution on YouTube, I highlighted it, and we wrote down the timestamp, and I basically, the next day had a video that went up that was like, here's how you do it. Well, the only reason I even got to that place of knowing what we should be doing is because other people had brute forced it. And they understood enough of the mechanic for me to kind of play with. And so I think sometimes they make encounters like that where you just kind of throw stuff at the wall and then you slowly start figuring it out. Like they don't, they don't like drop every breadcrumb trail to get you there. Um, like, you know, binging of Crown of Sorrow. 
two people needing to shoot a crystal, one with the curse, one without. Uh, the game kind of lets you know you need the curse. The curse times down, accounts down. Some people can shoot enemies, some people can't. And then you just kind of put two and two together. You're like, oh, well, we both need to be on this side to protect it, so we both need to shoot the crystal. So I I just think it's different because it every every encounter has that, that I don't know what to do moment, and I think those moments are special, and I wouldn't want to grade against that by making it way too obvious or we're so good at solving raid puzzles now and raid raid mechanics. It's 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 really hard for them to throw us throw us for a loop, you know. Uh, I disagree on that because I convinced my friends to try out Destiny. They reached the power cap of the the soft cap of the season, ten ten, and we went into Garden. I mm-hmm. didn't. They don't didn't want me to explain the mechanics. They wanted it to figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. And by the third encounter, they were like, "Fuck it, tell it, tell us how." Because no, nothing in this game is leading us into that way. What to do? Like in the third encounter of the garden, uh-huh. when you kill the Minotaur, the pillar behind the Minotaur lights up. It can yeah. mean a lot of things that the corridor is done. No longer Minotaurs will spawn there. Or it can mean go there and do something there. It's not obvious what the game wants for you at that moment. Yeah. I, I wonder if sometimes we're, uh, we're, we're so equipped to... We're equipped with the tools to solve it. We know to check the kill feed... We know to check after we wipe, like what it says, and we know all those things sort of lead us to to trying things out, trial and error. Because I think that's generally where we go for the, the solving if, of it. If the solution requires you to wipe, it's kind of badly designed because you have to try, stop, load, try, stop, load, try, stop. It's kind of breaking the flow of the game. If the solutions were more like you can figure it out during the game without wiping, it would create a more natural flow. Well, I I don't think the solution... Yeah, I don't think the solution requires you to fail, but I think failure is assumed because it's, it's not content that... By design, it should not be something that is beat the very first time, no question. You're just like, oh, yep, do this, and then, and then, uh, and then we we do it. I, I do think there are there are times and places where I do not like the, the I call it learn by dying mechanic. I don't like when I'm playing like a, a platformer or a side scroller and the boss suddenly changes the rules and kills me. And I'm like, well, how I, I there was no way for me to know that was going to happen. There was no way for me to beat that. The only way I know that it's coming is I have to die to it first and then, I, you know, I call that learn by dying. I don't like that in some games and in some instances because I feel like you're cheating the player or betraying the player what you were sort of promising with the, with the lead up and with the way the fights go. And in, in raids, though, I do think there's an element of we tried X, it worked to a certain point, but then something else happened that now we have to solve that. We got wiped, we died, whatever. Um... I don't know. I don't know if you can take that element out of a raid and have it feel like a Destiny raid where you die, you're like, oh, I successfully charged, but I didn't successfully discharge. We got to figure out how I discharge. Um, Oh, I successfully diffused. Now we need to successfully, there's this other thing we haven't done yet. Like, I think the kill, the kill screen is part of it. And I'm, 
I don't think that means they literally designed a raid where like, yeah, you're going to fail and die, and you, you that's how you solve it, is you just keep dying and failing, but I think mysterious, puzzle-laden, hard content is just naturally going to lead to failure failure and trial and error being somewhat intrinsic to the experience. You can have that even with explanations in the game. Because if you provide the tools necessary for the player to figure out stuff more easily, it allows you as a developer to create more difficult stuff. Because imagine, if something is explained in game better way where you figure it out faster what to do, you can add more stuff to do for the player to do. Mm-hmm. Or make it harder to do it. Because, oh, I think finally I found what I need to do. So I need to figure out how I do it precisely to not be a burden to my team or to not ruin the experience. Yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know. I think at this point, they've kind of got their idea of what they want to do with raids. And I... I don't know if I would say it's bad or wrong or their approach is backwards um, and that they, you know, they, they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't do it. I hear where you're coming from. It's like, I can see people that are unfamiliar with destiny going into a raid. uh, And as you so colorfully said, they said, forget this. It's not telling us what to do. Let's just get out of here. Um, I, but at the same time this many years into the franchise are they making raids for a brand new inexperienced destiny player i would probably say no it's more meant for somebody who's played destiny they get it they kind of understand what to look for how to puzzle solve i mean it if you look at all the raids in destiny and how they're typically beaten in day one by the community i i don't know if anybody can be like oh they don't tell us enough they're like the only reason Last Wish lasted as long as it did was because of the Delta. If people would not have been so ama- incredibly under Delta, the thing would have been beat by way more teams. It would have been beaten 15 hours, probably instead of 23 or whatever, the 19, whatever World's First was. Like, I don't know. The, 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 main, the main barrier, even on Last Wish, which was, I believe, the longest, because I think Vogue was 16. Um, I think Last Wish ended up being the longest World's First, because Vogue held the, the trophy for that for a long time. Um, it was because of the Delta, you know, Vogue was almost the purest day one raid because people had zero clue what was going on. And it took the world's first team, I think like anywhere from 13 to 16 hours. And after, after Vogue raids were always beat quicker every time, even, 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 even King's fall. Um, so I don't know. I, I think the dilemma here would be the critique is coming from such a particular context of new players that don't know exactly what to look for or how to be a destiny troubleshooter. Um, it's like it, it would like like the harder puzzles in Tomb Raider, like the further I get in Tomb Raider or Portal, Portal would be another great example. If you took the very, very last room, very last puzzle in Portal or the very last puzzle in Tomb Raider and you shove that into my lap first, I would be like, this isn't enjoyable. I feel like I'm just having to kind of blindly flail through this. But when Portal slowly builds on mechanics over time and you get to the end of Portal, you automatically see things. You're like, I know I need to do this, that. I got to launch a cube over there. Your brain is already working. And I feel like that's the problem is the Destiny community is already this hive mind that gets 
we look at an encounter and we immediately start breaking it down and that's generally why i think it's tough to critique the raids from the from the from the avenue that you're attempting to mainly but, because i don't think they're the intended audience but uh, that's the point it is becoming the intended audience especially with the xbox game pass coming destiny going to it it is destiny is spreading itself out and more and more people will come to it so it is very important for destiny to keep as many new people in game as possible and without destiny not providing any insight how the destiny devs or Bungie thought how you should go to the encounter or what you, they expect you to do for the yeah. players to know they will just quit because this doesn't make it will be like an 70s or 80s point and click adventure where the puzzles make absolute no sense to them I would I would push back on what you're saying because I resonate with it because I brought it up just a moment ago I talked about how um, with game pass and really trying to fill the funnel with new players Bungie has to completely reject the leveling and infusion system right now because it's super confusing because that's an entrance point that's like the ground level coming in and play destiny I would say it's unlikely for and I know it happened with your friends but I think by and large most of the people jumping into the funnel in beyond light via game pass I find it unlikely they're going to play long enough hardcore enough to gear up to to, to run a raid and then they're going to go run the raid and be like well, because I don't have the Destiny player schema in my mind, I, I, these puzzles don't give me enough information. I am done with this game. I'm out of here. I don't think that's a large quantifiable you know, audience. I think at this point, people that come in during Beyond Light and people that come in through Game Pass, I would imagine a lot of those would probably stay in a more casual, more mid-lane player. I do think that just from what we know about, you know, 10% of the community running raids, even after all these years, that number is so rock solid. Like the the percentage of raid engagement has never really gone uh, higher or lower. Even with the philosophical change in Destiny 2, it hasn't really budged. Um, I don't know. I I don't think I'm worried about a, a more casual or inexperienced Destiny player jumping in through Game Pass and finding their way into a raid and feeling like it doesn't tell them enough information and then they like, they're like, I'm out of here, I'm done. Um, I know what well, happened with your friends, but I, I, I think there's people on the other side of the spectrum that would enjoy that aspect of it, like not being told anything and it, it being mysterious. But that's the thing that right now, majority of raids are available instantly to any new player. And even with Beyond Light, Last Wish and Gardens will be heavily outdated by light level. And by the time player finishes, just the soft cap where he will start to need powerfuls, which is very easy and very fast to do, he will be able to do those raids. And those raids do not encourage new players to learn much more. They encourage just to be taught what to do. Yeah, I, I t- Weezy's using one of my terms here that you know bringing the end game down to the bottom rung. I, I, I tend to agree here. I, I do think you're forcing you're forcing a little bit here raids to be like oh they're available day one or week one or whatever and you're like dragging it down to like oh a new player is going to want to go in there i'll i'll concede and admit there there probably will be people that jump in they start to like destiny they go into a raid and them and their friends are super unfamiliar with destiny mechanics and destiny communication and all of that and they'll struggle in a unique way i will concede that I don't know if I can concede that that will universally translate into they're done, they're going to walk away, that's bad for the franchise. I mean, I, 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 I will, though. I think it's fair to say 
non veteran destiny players will have unique challenges in raids because they're just they don't have the 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 collection of hive mind data that we have that we can tap into i mean they'll have unique challenges just in strikes nightfalls dungeons anything they run they don't they don't have that quick pick up and go we know we know the basics kind of mentality it's like when a streamer plays a new game and they're fumbling and not talking as much they keep pausing they keep checking the menus they're you know they're trying to learn their way through the game they don't have that uh that finesse yet so i i i don't i don't i can't say that you're wrong that there won't be players that experience that and feel that in a new unique way and maybe they feel frustrated by it i don't know if that's a valid critique of destiny's raid design because that doesn't feel like they don't feel like that's the target audience it's like hey you know if you want to run raids they're tough they're mysterious they're they're challenging day one vog that's the way that it was it's praised as one of the best pieces of content ever and no one had a stinking clue what to do and they can get that experience as a new destiny player in destiny 2 in a new raid they have no idea what any of this stuff means and if it was hailed as good back then i think we can still hail it as good now i mean i you're you're welcome, I think, to not like it and think that it's bad from a design perspective, but I, I actually but, think it's fine. But that's the point. If the difficulty of a mechanic mechanic of the encounter relies heavily on the player being basically blind and just throwing itself onto a wall, that's mm-hmm. a bad design because you are not encouraging player to learn or to get better. You are just making the player go through a checklist what is working, what not. And after the checklist is done, it will be just the routine of that checklist. If you I... provide explanations or some hints for the players to figure out, mm-hmm. even the challenges, for example, the rate challenges, you can create a more engaging behavior in the player where he is like, oh, this is fun, this is not, oh, I didn't know this worked this way. Best example would be for the corruptor strike. There's nothing in there that tells the player that you can pass the ball to another player. Player picks it up, sees ball, shield, ball removes shield. There's nothing that guides the player, ball, throw to other player, ball gets mm-hmm. stronger. I I, w- I want to go back to what you said. I want to I want to phrase it differently because I, I think there's a better way to phrase it. If the if the true difficulty of a raid is only in we the blind feature like the, the feeling of like oh we're doing it blind, we don't understand the mechanic. And then once you understand the mechanic, it gets a lot easier. I don't think that's bad design. I think it's incomplete design. It, I think it's unfair to say that's bad design. Everything's going to become easier with repetition, like jumping rope, riding a bike, completing a mechanic in Destiny. You're just going to get better at it because you know exactly what to do. I think it's incomplete because, as I've said many times, it, as soon as you remove the power delta of survivability, like I'm spinning that plate day one in the dungeon, I got to keep moving, I got to stay alive, that adds a unique level of intensity and challenge to the mechanic satisfaction. Like I'm trying to shoot from the shadow, I'm trying to shoot from the light. It's uniquely difficult and it dovetails with the delta. As soon as you remove the delta, I think you're right. It's like, well, as soon as the mystery is removed, as soon as I watch a YouTube guide or as soon as I know what to do, the difficulty of the mechanic goes away. Because I'm literally, as you said, just satisfying a checklist of stand here, grab the charge, do this, do that. And that's why I think, that's why I'm calling it incomplete design. If you bring in that difficulty, that pain, that delta that keeps it intense, the mechanical pain 
doesn't just automatically get easier with knowledge. It can still maintain its difficulty and its challenge because they're asking you to do something in conjunction with Delta Pain, Killing Enemies, Survivability. And so it's never like, a, yeah, I just stand here and, and, and shoot the guy and he dies really easily because I'm at Delta. So the mechanic becomes a joke. Like the mechanics difficulty, I think, is related to the survivability factor that's non-existent in Destiny raids because we always we, we always end up above Delta and then it's and same with the dungeon and then it's way easier and contest modifier comes in and says ah uh-uh, ah no there will always be a maintained level of intensity you will only be able to kill enemies so fast you will need to monitor your health and that affects the the efficiency of the player with respect to the mechanic because the slightest mistake misstep or like oh I wasn't paying attention leads to either death or too many ads or whatever and then that makes the mechanic more more difficult that brings me to another point if we get normal and hard mode and hard mode has contest modifier how long do you want the contest modifier to stay in that hard mode all the time so that would negate the power gain over the season. Let's say Garden came out with a hard mode, has a contest modifier that sets you back. It's now season of arrivals. You are like 100, 200 power levels above it. You go into hard mode, and if you feel like you didn't, you didn't progress during those four seasons at all. I disagree because somebody said this earlier. They said, well, that negates the power grind and I'm going to show you why that's... I would say that's actually factually untrue. Right now, Grandmaster requires me to be 1075 to go into it, okay? If, if If they were to remove that, right? If they were to remove the 1075 requirement, there actually is a humongous difference between somebody who's 1060 and who's 1075 because of the way the Delta distributes power. So, it doesn't negate the power grind. You still, if you did this with a hard raid, you would still need to get to a certain power grind to even be able to go into the content. And then it basically says, you can never be overleveled in here. We always want to maintain a level of intensity and challenge. Therefore, contest is always on. It's still a rite of passage. You still need to get... I will counter that with the thing that, okay, that's valid for the first season, but after the next season when my starting power is already beyond that and I gain more power, the extra power I gain in the next season will be like, it didn't happen to me because I'm still like how I was at the end of the last season. And even after the season that, I will be always set back to the first season. This is where I'm... No, no, I, I understand. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying now. You're basically With saying Master, that they are you, updating at least every season the power level of the Night Force. Rays don't get. Garden didn't get a power bump in Dawn or Worthy, but get Master Grandmasters did get a power bump. So did normal Night Force the ordeal. Right, and and. For all intents and purposes, they're finding their way with Grandmaster. So Grandmaster might not be the, oh, we're going to do it this way every time. But even in that realm, they're just moving the goalposts. You're still leveling up and you're always, you are always under Delta in Grandmaster. Yes, you leveled up again, but you're still always under the Delta of the Grandmaster. You just had to go through the rite of passage of leveling again. So if you go through the, the raid in November and then the spring season rolls around and you're leveled up again and again and again and again and you're leveling up for Grandmaster, but the hard version of the Beyond Light raid still treats you under delta 
the reason I'm okay with that is I come from a philosophical stance of you are allowing the aspirational feel of that content to endure and persist you don't get to glide over it and be like oh I'm overpowered now like it always is an aspirational it's it's I feel like it just respects the integrity of something being quote unquote hard mode that's why I think Grand, Grand Master is always always treating you as if you're at a Delta no one gets to play Grand Master and beat it quicker than you because they waited a couple weeks and leveled up but that's my point Lono how long does aspirational content remain aspirational in the sense of progression? Like one raid being aspirational for a year being mm-hmm. equally difficult is not what a progression system should feel like to a player. That's why yes, I think No, no, I disagree. I disagree. I think it should be that way because you beating it has more to do with your prowess, your finesse, intelligence, team cooperation, coming up with a good loadout, getting better at certain jobs. That, I think, is a better sense of player progression than I played a bunch of my number went up. Like, I, I don't know. I see it being different. I see level is but, so one-dimensional level progression. But the thing is, once you figure out the strategy in the first season for the... Um, content modified raid the strategy will not evolve that's why i don't think we need contest modifier for defining the difficulty of the content but an evolving con evolving difficulty of the raid, like changing aspects of hard mode of the raid season per season adding new mechanics to learn to improve instead of keeping a constant difficulty change it every season so players have to adapt and use the new seasonal stuff for the hard mode I mean, that would obviously be cool if they would perpetually update the raid every season. I, I wouldn't. I would never argue against that to, to change it up, make it feel dynamic and new. But if they don't do that, another reason that they need to have the raid be perpetually aspirational for an entire year is because of sunsetting and loot hierarchy. If somebody goes in during the spring season and can beat the Beyond Light raid like it's nothing, because they're way over-leveled, right? And there's no Delta, there's no Contest Modifier, no nothing. They watch a YouTube video. That aspiration's not being respected, and I feel like that's damaging to the sense of loot hierarchy. It's like, that's the hardest content, that's the best gear, and I think that should be protected by Contest Modifier, so you can't come in in a month and beat it easier than me beating it week two. And that's why I think Destiny Content Wars is coming into it. They could use the Destiny Content Wars to bring back one odd year after two or three seasons of an old raid coming out. So they're basically moving the aspiration from an older raid that has been since power creeped by the rise of power into a new raid that was brought over from Destiny 1. In this way, they can perpetually move the aspiration and difficulty away from always just doing the same thing. Well, yeah, but the the Beyond Light raid is going to have best-in-class gear in it. That's the promise we've been given. So that raid is going to have best-in-class standout gear in it. And that gear is going to have, what, what, from what we can tell, sunsetting on raid gear is going to be longer than a year. And so what that means is, is that gear has a very long shelf life for endgame viability, which means 
the content should always be aspirational within the year of that gear's endgame viability. Do you see the logic I'm applying? Like, if that gear is endgame viable for that entire year and it's best-in-class standout, the content should also maintain its sense of aspiration because of loot hierarchy and 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 if because if it's easier to get it in spring you're you're i think you're diluting the harmony of best gear is in the hardest stuff but to counter that first off if it's the best gear and i i will wait like two seasons for it to get instead of getting it the first season when it's harder and i get get it weaker i will miss out on all the other aspirational content that will be kind of dependent on having the best in sword gear also, I, by that logic, if Vault of Glass returns, shouldn't it replace ha- replace the Beyond Light race by with the having the best in slot gear? I mean, not necessarily, because just because something is best in class or standout doesn't mean there can't also be other weapons similar to or equal to it being. Because like Vault of Glass will probably land in spring or summer. Now it has a longer endgame viability because it's landing later in in year four, and so. I mean, you. Do, I don't think you necessarily have to be like, nope, all Vogue gear needs to trump and be better than Beyond Light Raid gear. Like, I think they could be somewhat equal in that, like, the Recluse was a best-in-class SMG, and then the Delirium is a best-in-class machine gun. They came from different places, so you could have something like that, like a best-in-class machine gun drops in November, and then Vogue has a best-in-class scout, the you know the Vision of Confluence or something. There doesn't necessarily have to be an uprooting every time a raid comes out. Yeah, Vogue's got to uproot all that gear as long as it's best-in-class, as long as it's at the t- it's at the top upper echelon. Like we have a lot of pinnacle weapons. We got the Recluse, the Mountaintop. Uh, the, the the delirium, the Wendigo, and they're all in different categories, and there's different reasons why they're strong. There's different places to use them. So I think there's room for the Vogue gear to coexist with, you know, Beyond Light's raid gear, and just be considered upper echelon excellent gear, and that I, I think that works. So yeah, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. Like they missed out on being able to get that gear and use it, but. Bet you know, it, it was like when Pinnacle quests got shortened or made easier. That really irritated people, right? Like that's why the Pinnacle system was actually, in some respects, kind of smart and logical. If you wanted Recluse, if you wanted Mountaintop or whatever, everybody had to do the same thing to get it, right? It wasn't like, oh, it's easier later in the season or it's easier once you're leveled up. No, the requirement of those weapons was the same. Now, when they diluted or lowered requirement, that ticked people off, understandably. And in a similar fashion, if I beat the raid in November to get best-in-class gear, you coming in two months later, three months later, and you're way higher level, or you wait until the, the, the winter season you're way higher level and you go in it's so it's so much easier and you get that aspirational loot i i feel like the guy who's ticked off mountaintop got easier to get or recluse got easier to get i understand that pain it's like man it it's it's the best it's the best stuff it should always be aspirational content to get it but that's another point that's kind of missing is the person who got it early at the mountaintop and the recluse than me had a one year long period of stomping me with it where I couldn't get it. Once they made it easy and I got it myself, they are now angry because they got to enjoy being 
more powerful than me for an entire year. I got it a year later for easier work because it's a year later and they are now angry. It's, it's like I ordered a pizza, got a pizza, the guy didn't order anything. He orders when the pizza is on a special sale. Now I'm angry and demand money back. That's like getting to me. No, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not arguing from an experiential, like, oh, you know, I was getting beat up by it and that those guys liked it because they had it, nobody else did. I'm just saying from a logical, philosophical perspective, if Bungie's going to create loot hierarchy and Sunsetting keeps that stuff endgame viable for a year, during that year, that content should always be aspirational. It should never become easier because you're powered up or something. I'm just arguing from a logical standpoint. I know people get angry because, like, oh, now everybody has Mountaintop and it's not exclusive anymore. You know, when iPhones get cheaper and everybody's like, oh, I just bought one last month and, you know, why is it so cheap now? Like, I'm not, and then they want money back. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not arguing from that perspective. I'm saying that if, if, because we haven't really had true loot hierarchy before now, right? I, we, this is, I think we're in loot hierarchy and sunsetting, I think necessitates the perpetuation of a a piece of content's aspirational feel. And there's obviously room to disagree on this, but that's ultimately where I'm coming from. I am coming from the standpoint of playing MMOs where content that is older gets progressively easier because the player gets progressively stronger. That's the natural progression of life and progression of design. If I am coming back to a game one year later or something like that and the content I did one year ago is still exactly the same how I did it one year ago, there is no change in the game's progression. It remains stale and the same. Yeah, I just, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I feel like that's one of the problems that Destiny's Endgame has had for a very, very long time, is that we level up, and then everything becomes super easy, and the the difficulty isn't maintained. As you said in this initial back and forth we've had, the difficulty of the mechanic is only in the absence of knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, it's not difficult anymore, and... I just, I think we've consistently complained about this. Like, raids aren't hard anymore. This isn't hard anymore. I'm at level. It's so easy to stay alive. Like, we're also really strong. We have build crafting with armor 2.0. We can get, you know, I can dodge every nine seconds. It's like, I I really feel the absence. And trust me, I'm Mr. Anti-Delta. I don't like just raising spongy enemies way up and just having false difficulty. I just think... Contest modifier brings just enough intensity to maintain something feeling like this is endgame. This is the big leagues. Uh, I disagree, but I won't take more of your time. Maybe let other people talk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is great. This is probably one of the best VIP calling back and forth we've had. This was fun, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. See ya. He really he didn't want to admit it. He's muted now, so he can't talk. He didn't want to admit. He just wants to go to bed. It's late. <laughs> No, 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 seriously, that was excellent. That was excellent. All right, Barrett, sorry, that was a really long back and forth. That was a 36-minute <laughs> back and forth with uh, Darksider. So, Barrett, I'm coming to you. What do you got for me, sir, if you are still here? <laughs> well, okay, I hope you're not willing to put that thing to bed because I actually do have some replies to what he said. Sure. So, uh, for starters, when, you, when he talks about um, Power Deltas kind of in MMOs uh, actually to be aware it has a 
activities be basically be like, nope, you're always at this power. No matter how powerful you get, we're going to keep you at this power mm-hmm. to keep the difficulty of the encounter uh, constant. Uh, I hate to say it, there are MMOs that still do that. Uh, particularly one is, because uh, I was talking in the supporter chat, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen has this, the raid series they call the Ultimate Series, mm-hmm. where even after a couple of years, because they started like two or three years ago, where you when you go in, you're immediately pulled down your item level, pulled down your your gear, uh, your um, your character level down to what the originally designed uh, content was around. And so it can work, I think, in Destiny, but it would have to be at which of high effort by Bungie on the design. You can't simply just throw on contest modifier on an activity and just walk away from it saying, you know, it's fine and all that. We, I don't think contests would be anywhere near enough for hard modes mm-hmm. to try to lean on and rely upon. It would have to be expand the encounters, you know, add new uh, mechanics to these fights do uh you know it has to be and then maybe even do to where like 14 does where in which you get to the final part and then all of a sudden here's an exclusive part for a hard mode that you have to go in that's exclusive to that to give it that sense of um you're not just doing this just because you hate yourself so to speak <laughs> right. for uh difficulty it's like this is an experience this is holy crap stuff is happening i wouldn't be able to experience outside of this difficult content that they've kept for the top echelon players who are willing to you know get in and play um it, it, it's kind of the the bit of exclusiveness to the hardest content should be there um Did- well, that's why i think you know contest modifier needs to be used sparingly mm-hmm. and not relied upon I agree with you. It needs to be complimentary, and that's why I said I felt like in the in the the bowl encounter in the dungeon, I felt like it dovetailed really well with the mechanics because you're making me move and do stuff, and it's it adds to the intensity, and that's one of the reasons I consistently cite Kingsfall as the right philosophy. They designed hard first, and then they trimmed things down for normal. So Light Eater Knights, I think, are the quintessential. They are the the they're the paragon example I always use. The best example of increasing mechanical pain that I've got to juggle that isn't just like a, a, an arbitrary weird hoop I have to jump through. I, I It was another play to spin. And that's why I think they need to go back to that philosophy of you design hard first. So you design hard around the idea that, hey, contest modifier is going to be on. It's going to be intense. They're, they're never going to feel they're never going to feel that absence of like threat I can die I got to move my feet I got to pay attention I got to like really be on top of killing the ads and killing the enemies right and then that's going on with all the mechanics and hard and then you trim that down for normal contest is off less mechanics there's a clear difference between the two versions I 100% agree with you I don't want contest to become a hard mode punt where they're like that's what I think grandmaster is grandmaster is just a punt it's like it's a blunt object it's like here's 12 negative modifiers in a delta bam and it's like it's I, I don't think it's landing well 
on strikes that were never designed with this in mind. The ad saturation, the distance between you and the enemies, choke points, all of that starts to break down because that content was never designed to be like that. That's why King's Fall was perfect in some respects. Hard was designed first, and then they walked it back for normal. These strikes were designed, what? I mean, for because if they were designing Destiny 2 before it launched, right? These, these, these strikes were designed four, three years ago, and and now you're adding all this stuff after the fact. It just doesn't work. It's a, it's a it's like a one size fits all hat that that fits some heads and doesn't fit others. Like some strikes have been okay in Grandmaster, and some are just awful, and it doesn't flow properly. So I I agree with you. I yeah. as much as I argue for it, I don't want contest modifier to become a, a hard mode punt that they just like yeah just slap this on any any piece of content. Yeah. Um. Because cause I, I think that's the biggest problem with Destiny is they rely too much on the power delta pain and rather instead of like the encounter design. Mm-hmm. Um, because th- there's a great video on YouTube by um, Eze- Evan F1997, who the video is titled Destiny 2 is Too Easy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the like the raid experience is... The problem with Destiny is the raid experience is good your first time through learning the mechanics and all that, but your second and onward um, clears are really bad. Meanwhile, when I jump on an MMO, they they aren't as difficult the second and third time through, but they're, they still retain a level of challenge for me to come back and enjoy the experience. In Destiny, honestly that after that first clear it's you you tend to realize as you're sitting there trying to figure out mechanics you you overthink it way too much i i can't tell you the number of times i've been i've done a world's first well not world's first i've been you know day oneing and i'm exclusively an lfg person and i'm sitting there think hearing people about their ideas of how encounters go and they're and they're you know trying to bat a a grand slam home run when it's just like a base hit for the encounter um they're not very that they're not that challenging per se they're just punishing Mm -hmm. um because they they ask very little of you so if hard mode were to amp it up a little bit for the mechanical wise i think that'd be good but what the uh another thing that the guy said was about how you would go into an encounter for a new player and you'd be completely lost, not be able to figure out how the think the ways of thinking that Bungie creates stuff. I think one of the biggest issues is the fact that they're in the game. It's at the base game itself, your basic play style, doing strikes and all that. There's no reference you can go back to while you're in a raid to think of to for a starting point. In most rating that I do, I have a starting point where in which when I see a mechanic and I wipe to it, I can usually see it and be like, oh, it might, it's kind of like X thing or Y thing that I have seen in the game beforehand, changed up, modified. You know, you have your points where in which they're brand new, new me- mechanics and all that in these raids but they're usually mm-hmm. one part of a phase of multiple different layers on one encounter whereas in destiny you have basically just one phase which is the entire encounter 
and that one phase is usually you've never seen it before in the base game in a dungeon in a strike nowhere and instead you had to have had either raid experience with the plates or it's just brand new and then later on they turn around and they just start adding on to it with the subsequent encounters and i find that to where that's the part that infuriates new potential raiders who come in they're like well i'm done because i don't have a place to where i can reference this from i'm just completely shooting in the dark you know and it can get frustrating rather quickly yeah we we t- i talked about that a little bit with um with dark sider i i I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Like, if people that are less experienced in Destiny feel like it's not fair or it's blind or they can't understand it, like, I, I don't think they're the intended audience, you know, and I don't think they need to be either making the raids easier or giving better reference points or anything like that. And and, and to say, you know, that, that raids are just so easy and, it, you know, they're... Uh, that you play it once and then it's super, super easy after that. I do think, you know, I echo what somebody said in there that, like, really, really practice teams that are super polished and synergized aren't the best baseline for, like, critiquing endgame content. But in the spirit of what they're saying, that it's generally only aspirational challenging and all that day one you can't get rid of that like with repetition everything raids strikes nightfalls all of it with repetition it's always going to get easier and more refined you're just familiar with it you know oh if i stand here i'm less likely to die or oh if i do the mechanic before i shoot the ads it's actually easier like you learn all those little tricks and 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 shortcuts and and that's why i think contest modifier combined with mechanical pain doesn't allow you to cruise control like it always maintains that sense of intensity you can't do anything about the fact that people are going to become familiar with content and beat it easier but you can maintain a sense of this is tough you've got to pay attention it's always and i also think contest modifiers just it's always the same whether you jump in in week three or month three it's the same for everybody. It's fair. It's We're getting the best gear in the game, and we're always beating the same challenge, the same threshold of power. It's never less power. It's never less damage needed to be done to the boss to kill them because of a delta removal. Like, I, that's why I'm in. I'm in. I'm in favor of it. So yeah. I, I've got. I've got. I've got to move on because there's so yeah. many people trying to call in. So I, I appreciate your comments, though. Um. I hate I hate to do that. I spent I spent so much time with Darksider. I'm gonna have to start like doing that, just like being like, okay, you you had your shot. I gotta move on. So Beyond Hope, you're next. What you got? Hey Leno. Uh, first, I wanted to say that my wife and kids had an absolute blast listening to you shoutcast me this past weekend in Fall Guys. Oh, <laughs> great, great, great! <laughs> Can't wait for Fight Night on the seventh. It's gonna be a blast. It'll um, be good. Yeah, uh, my question is regarding adding a matchmaking for raids and making it easier for people to learn the raids in Destiny. I wonder if what Blizzard did with World of Warcraft and game content might work. Uh, they added the looking for raid that released on a delayed schedule from normal mode, and mm-hmm. it, uh, it was easier, uh, meaning that the mechanics were a little less critical, and if the raid wiped, they got a buff that would make it give you a better chance of success on the next attempt, which would reset for every boss. Uh, it re- The mode required you to have a certain level of gear, but the loot was not better than what you would get in normal version, and but better than what you would get in doing solo or uh, small group content. Okay. 
do you think that that might be a possible way to make match made raids plausible in destiny oh boy i well i would want to borrow the idea i would want to stagger in game looking for group stagger it and then let people go in only doing it for normal. Now, obviously, people could go into normal and be like, hey, do you guys want to switch to hard? And they could all back out and do it. I'm, you know, I, I'm sure people could skirt around it. Um, but they didn't I have matchmaking for normal or anything past that. Right, right. It was right. only for the, the lowest difficulty. Right, so it's almost like an easy mode, and it, like as you said, it had some, it had some mercy aspects to it. You know, it's a little, it's a little more gracious on timing and buffs and stuff if you die. Yes, that's what I want to zero in on. I, I don't know if the raid teams, um, number one, I don't know if they're they, they have the capacity to do that. You know, doing one good raid a year, that's that, that's that's a lot of extra work. I would want them to first before doing that. I would want them to first give me what I got in King's Fall, which is design hard mode first, you know, scale it back for normal, have that contest on there. If you give me a normal and a hard mode first, great. After that, if you want to launch like an easier mode that's more gracious on the timing of mechanics, like the window is longer, the you, you can hold a buff, you know, that's going to kill you, and you can hold it like twice as long or something, and the res timers are longer, you know, and all that. And then maybe the loot's not as great. You know, it's it's because they're doing that. Hopefully they're going to do that in trials, right? The adept versions are in the lighthouse and then you yeah. can get normal versions from bounties. Like if you do that, if you create an internal hierarchy in the loot, so if they run that mode, they can get a raid experience, dip their toe in raiding, maybe in, feel like, hey, I could go do normal or hard now. I kind of have, I kind of, I kind of got this figured out now. And the loot was appropriately less than, you know, yes. it was, I, I'm, I'm not going to say no to that. I'm just going to say, hold your horses. You better give me normal and hard mode first. You better have a really, really good, you know, hierarchy and difference between normal and hard mode loot. Uh, you better have, you better have, do- you better have dope stuff. Loop. Go ahead. The, uh, the way they did the timing was that they would release the normal mode mm-hmm. uh, because they split their raids into wings. So they had four wings and four. Uh, so they would release one week, one wing a week. Mm-hmm. And then the next week they would release wing two for normal, and then wing one for uh, looking for raid. So it was delayed okay. by a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the loot was always less than you would get in normal mode. Yeah, and see that's the again I'm okay with that in principle only if I get a hard mode. The loop's really good. There's it's like when people want oh, the, um, yeah. The, it, once all four wings were released, then they would mm-hmm. release heroic, which was meant to be, you know, for those people that had been running normal. And then once, uh, I think it was like two weeks later, then they would release the mythic as well. Right. It's like when people ask for factions to come back and factions to have loot and all this stuff. I'm like, hold your horses. They need to update, you know, Shax and Zavala first. Like, get it in the right order. I'm applying the same principle here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardcore raiding community, I think, is more deserving of getting, like, a, a difficulty spectrum of normal and hard. And if they can get us that and it's dope and it's awesome, I don't think I'd have a problem with... in. I don't want matchmaking. It would be in-game group finder for a... 
an easier version of the raid where the loot is not true raid gear. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. Again, at the beginning of my video today, I said the actual problem we're trying to solve is some of the best Destiny PvE content goes untouched by most of the community. If we could solve that issue without casualifying raids, because what you're suggesting is not casualification. There would be normal hard, it'd get brutal, it'd get tough, the loot would be very different, it'd be clear difference between the tiers, that's not casualification. If if they could pull it off, I, I I would I would probably cheer from the stands because you'd you'd get more people in raids, and I think that's a, that's good for Destiny ultimately. Okay. So, all right, I'm gonna move on to the next person. Dude, good thoughts. Yep. Thank you. All right, boards. I'm coming to you, sir. Yeah. What you got for me? Good evening. Um. Yeah, I, I'm gonna start with. The, I love this game, but. Um, <laughs> Accessibility and leveling in, in Destiny is so incoherent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like they have, um, well, you've got the whole F- LFG thing we've been talking about the whole evening, and um, learning in raids is kind of difficult. Uh, guided games have been in, in beta since, what, vanilla uh, season three or something? Yes. And then you've got, they've got a thousand and one experiments on the whole game, and it feels like they haven't checked them out at all. It's mm-hmm. it's all half-baked brain farts. Um, and there, ha- there doesn't seem a basic philosophy or a basic idea. And I think that's the big thing that bugs the whole game. They, um, yeah, they, they throw shit at the uh, stuff at the wall and they don't even check if it sticks. And that's, um, I think, what, what makes the whole... Uh, game feel really incoherent and and kind of leads to all the trouble we are running into right now and what it, it what you pointed out earlier was it's a it's a lot of incoherent of incomplete design so yeah yeah that, that is my issue with the whole thing i really love the game and i want to see that mm-hmm. idea i don't disagree with any any of what you're saying i think you're pinpointing symptoms of a larger problem so you're pinpointing a lot of things that are being left uncooked untouched untreated they're just kind of sitting there uh and the what i think that's connected to if i'm gonna try and get to the root cause like let's imagine i'm a doctor and this guy's coming in he's got all Mm -hmm. these symptoms he's got a fever he's got you know arm pain you know this and this and this all these symptoms are pointing to an underlying cause that he's like he's got like a problem with his heart or something so in destiny i think the root cause that you can trace everything you just talked about back to one thing one point it's the lack of a unified vision i feel like they never had this unified vision for what they wanted the game to be and where it's supposed to go and i feel we now have that in luke smith when he he doesn't just trot out like hey it's gonna be awesome you're gonna do this and go to this planet he's like no here's where we're going here's what we're working on beyond light witch queen um, Lightfall. That's a very, very different vision cast than we've ever gotten from Bungie. They've never cast a vision this far into the future, and I think it's because they now have somebody driving the ship and unifying the vision. I also think this is why people left the company. I think Hamrick and Wisniewski and some of these guys that left, I don't think their vision aligned with where Luke Smith wanted to go, and that's ultimately why I think they left. I'm not, like, glad to see people leave the company, but I'm like, that's kind of a purifying process that helps the game 
get on track. I said this all the time about Anthem. I'm like, you can add as many amazing events as you want and try to update systems and do this and that. What kind of game are you trying to be? Where are you taking the game? Until I see that, I don't have confidence in anything you're doing. It's just patchwork at that point. Bungie's yep. been very patchwork up to now, which I think is what you're putting your finger on. Exactly, and especially... Um when you go to end game stuff i think they've got the casual casual stuff they've got nailed that that's fine they took year three to do that and that that's all well and good right now but now they need to how are you going to shepherd people to that end game content and to just take that puzzle and put put it together because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in here for example that guided games thing is in but it has a lot of potential but why would someone use it? Yeah. Um, how does it how does it work in the whole path? Uh, it, it, it's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of stuff that has has a good thought and a good intention behind it. But now, please put it together. <laughs> a, a perfect example of what you're talking about is yeah. Armor 2.0 and the lack of like a synergy between armor building and your guns like we need a a synergistic whole system there maybe even have loadouts as well because changing all your mods and stuff i was just doing it today for some strikes and it's just very tedious it's very unenjoyable and you have a great you have a great idea and great pieces and great parts armor 2.0 great but it's not it's not it's almost like it's not plugging into the game it's like this great puzzle piece that hasn't been inserted into the larger canvas and i'm hoping that that's what year four will start to bring with stasis a weapon i'm hoping for a weapons update and then we start to see those synergies and those systems come together into a more fuller picture instead of as i said all the patchwork yeah that's the only the most important part that i'm happy about they're not going to do destiny 3 because they would reset that whole process again yes and um just keep building it in here and take stuff out and put new stuff in that's i think the best way for them to build yeah agreed. get it coherent in the end yep yeah good thoughts good thoughts good talking to you i'm gonna move on thank you for calling in you're welcome I have to say, I love doing this, by the way. The, I, the different different voice tones, different perspectives, different parts of the world. This is... VIP Collins is becoming my favorite piece of content I've probably ever created. This is a blast. Uh, I'm coming to you, Doge. What do you got for me today, sir? So, so I'm going to talk about, like, uh, how, like, Bungie Tenant treats, like, the difficulty without, like, re- really, like, putting in deltas, like... Uh, I would say, like, uh, one thing, like, uh, most people forget about is, like, uh, the Leviathan's Rev Strike. Uh, like, in the final boss room, like, like, the fi- like the, in the final boss room of, like, uh, Pratizan, like, they added, like, a mechanic where, like, uh, like, there's, like, an airstrike where you, you stand, so you ha- constantly have to move, and, like, it made the strike more intense, and you can't, like, just nuke the boss most of the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, go ahead. They can do like us. I think they can do like something similar without relying on like uh, Delta, like for like uh, night balls. Like, like I made it auto, but you don't like. But the enemy aren't like bullet sponges, and they like won't one shot you. Then you without then you have to deal with like uh, some other like uh, mechanic. Mm-hmm. 
I here I I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I've always said that one of my favorite strikes in Destiny 2 is the Pyramidian because of it's not just a traditional sort of cheesy immunity phase. It's mechanics, there's stages, there's phases. I like that. It, I felt like it added more depth. It kind of harkened back to Shield Brothers. Um there is no bake. It's you know, there's there's stages to it. The only the only problem I have here is imme- I immediately start to think all they're going to do is dial in immunity to force me to do something else. Like, oh, boss is immune, go satisfy this mechanic. And that's because we're so incredibly strong. So I think if, if it were me, I think strike fights and fights in general would be better if you added d- mechanics beforehand that both were required for damage or part of damage or as I said in the Axis fight it's like it's like interwoven into the damage you have to do these mechanics in order to damage the, the boss and then if you finesse the mechanics you know slamming the plates and all that you do more you do more damage to the boss you're, you're and they were I think they were so close with nightmare hunts so dadgum close because you can get the unstable essence that gives you a damage buff you can grind for mods supreme nightmare mods that make you stronger you can you can build yourself and engage with the mechanics in the fight in a way that your efficiency and your killing of the boss is linked to a mechanic it's linked to your loadout not just stand here and damage dump and so i i i I do not disagree with what you're saying i just i get really really worried that we're going to have a bunch of fanatic fights where damage immune damage immune damage immune damage immune like the nightmare hunt fights fall on their face because the immunity phases just get stupid hey congratulations you did 65% damage to the boss now deal with two immunity phases instead of one it's like tell him what he's won Bob a slap in the face for being good at the game it's like what so I, they've got to they've got to think more about mechanics interweaving and complementing a fight so it so it isn't I feel like mechanics and DPS are so separate in Destiny. Do the mechanic, shoot the boss. Do the mechanic, shoot the boss. And then the only way they slow us down is immunity. So, Axis and... I'm just going to keep going back to Axis because I feel like that is such a great blend of mechanics and DPS. They are interwoven and they are interdependent. And if more fights go in that direction, it won't feel like you always got to run metagame build. And it won't feel like fights are so either too many immunity phases or it's just a silly bake and the boss is dead I think uh, like the anti-all strike like he doesn't have like he does though like immune right? like going to a shield but uh, you can like uh, you can like try to nuke him down before he goes immune so there's like uh, so there's a bit of finesse but you can't uh, like but you also have to constantly be moving because mm-hmm. otherwise you get hit by the artillery strike and there's also blackout involved and a lot of war beasts but in between like the immunity phase and- yeah I remember I remember that fight being terrible the first week that because remember the nightfalls in vanilla had a timer and that was the nightfall that that was the first nightfall on destiny and it was really annoying I hated it uh, that was for the Leviathan uh, breath quest by the way yeah uh, yep. so it wasn't a nightfall and I think like uh like the dawn strike, uh, like the, the dawn strike, you can like nuke like uh, the like uh, you can nuke like the boss, uh, the song. But if you don't kill like the uh, like the like required like knights first, you can't like get like the exotic. So they could do like something where you get like uh, like more reward when you like kill like 
like a certain ad, like other than champions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you could add more pain there too. More, la more layers to the fights, more requirements than simple mechanic and damage checks. I, uh, I could, we could definitely use more of that. So, good thoughts, Doge. I'm gonna move on to Gilly in the Mist because we are, uh, we're going long today. So I'm gonna just start kind of having to bump to next. Go ahead, Gilly. Uh, okay. Um, while I agree raids need more aspirational content, I'm worried that it's not going to last as long as it has previously. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, unless the weapons are really stellar and there's a bunch of great rules on them, I don't see them lasting more than three or four months on the new raid. Especially if, if that's the only raid we get this year, I don't see it lasting six, ten, twelve months. I mean, how many people run the the garden weapons now? I mean, I know they're not great rules, but even having them, you don't see anyone with them. I don't know anybody who runs garden for the armor or or the weapons other than the fact that they're pinnacles. Um, I'm concerned that that it'll be aspirational and then most of the people will raid will have it at least at least one role or a, a decent role or they got their armor they got their set, and now they're at max light. And now there's no reason to run it. Yeah. A couple of things. I, I I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I don't necessarily know if that is a problem. I don't expect raids to be relevant for an entire year. I have ideas on how they could extend relevancy with an NPC and, and loot updates and rank, season, like a seasonal rank. I definitely think they could get a lot more capital out of raids. I think they should, given how much work goes into them. But... I do think there will be a difference in this next year for a couple of reasons. Number one, Vogue is also landing in year four, so that'll be like another way to say, "Hey, you're kind of done with that raid. Here's a new, here's a new one. Well, here's a greatest hit, I should say." And the other thing that's going to change is the loot is supposed to be significantly better. So I don't think you're going to have that Garden of Salvation situation where everyone's like, the, 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 the loot is literally junk. I'm just using it for pinnacles and I'm just using it to level. I still think you're right, though. After three months, four months, most folks are not going to go in there. They're going to probably have gotten what they want. And this is why a raid NPC with a seasonal rank and ornaments for the gear, maybe bounties, maybe every once, maybe they add one gun to every encounter each season so all of a sudden you can do a targeted farm in the raid for a gun that wasn't there previously and the raid maintains its relevancy and contest maintains the difficulty and you got an npc like I, they could get so much more capital out of raids they build these incredible giant complex machines and they dump crap loot in them and then no one cares about them in three months i think it's such a mistreatment of all the work that the raid team pours into these raids it's like a great big gymnasium and then you put junk equipment in it so no one wants to hang out in the gymnasium for, for very long. It's like you spent all this time, a foundation, walls, an amazing ceiling, amazing lighting. Oh my gosh, this gymnasium's crazy. And then you put a bunch of crap equipment in it and then so no, nobody wants to go in. Nobody wants to hang out there very long. They just kind of like, well, we'll use this for now until you know the gymnasium down the road opens. Like, I just think that's one of the biggest... Uh, things I'm hoping to see change in year four that would hopefully then minimize some of what you're saying that raids just don't matter after a couple of months. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I can slightly split off of that, uh, I still want to talk about the raids, but 
I'm I'm slightly concerned about bringing uh, new people in, especially with Game Pass and stuff, that they're not going to have very accessible raids. I, I think most people can agree that Last Wish and and Garden are fairly harder than Leviathan and Eater of Worlds, which are great raids to get people who are competent enough to raid but don't know how to. Um, so they have the skills, they know, they have the loadouts, they they can listen to instructions, they can learn. Um, but they just don't have the experience. And, and Leviathan's pretty mechanically simple to teach them, hey, this is how you raid, this is how the tokens work, this is how DPS, these phases work. And I see that with only Last Wish and only Guard... What happened? I'm still here, stream. Complex, uh, but... Sorry. My, my, my simple. My Discord just reset. I'm sorry, I keep going. Uh, I, I'm concerned that it's like... To bring people, new people in, it's you have to learn how to do Last Wish, which without the cheese is probably the most complicated raid there is, depending on how you view Spire yeah. Stars. Yeah. Or Garden. Yeah. Which, who knows how the, the you know, um, you know, that's pretty, your team has to be pretty, you know, synergized. All six people have to be all in place or you're going to wipe consistently. Uh, so I'm concerned that it's going to be pretty hard to bring those new people in. Yeah, people saying that Riven is the easiest encounter. You guys have got to be memeing. Non non cheese Riven is the single most complex, most challenging con like encounter in all of Destiny. It's it's harder and more complex than any encounter in D1 or D2 if you do it right. The eye shooting, the symbol calling, the eye remembering, people are typing in chat. Are you serious? Like you didn't have to do any of that in any other <laughs> any other encounter. You're typing in game chat for eye shooting like just stop memeing Riven is not easiest it is literally the absolute most complex most challenging you could argue it you could argue this from <laughs> you could argue this from I mean look basic, at how Spire's seen yeah so, you could, well you could argue this from math and probability of failure like there's too much in Riven that can go wrong that is an instant fail like I don't even think it's 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 not even worth debating the difficulty of Riven it's <laughs> in any case I, I want to say two things to what you said. Number one, I appreciate empathy and sympathy for new players. I think that's a good attitude to have as a player with 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 new light and now with Game Pass. I, I totally think that's a great instinct. I you know somebody um was saying that earlier that you know that this con- this concern for people coming in and oh, it was it was, uh, it was Darksider, you know this concern for new players just don't have that schema and that blueprint understanding of you know destiny raids i i i, I think that's great i think you're afraid of a flood in the desert you know what i'm saying my 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 daughter learned what a flood was and so she gets nervous when it's raining sometimes like oh is it going to flood here is it going to flood here it's like no girl it's not now sure if some crazy insane act of insane nature we we had a, we had a flood here sure but the probability of that happening is so low i think people being concerned about brand new players coming in through game pass and making it all the way to raids and having a really hard time and that being like a bad thing I think that's such an unquantifiable amount of people I think most people that jump in through Game Pass are not going to become that player I don't I don't I don't think they are and if they're wired that way I don't necessarily think these raids are going to pose some significant problem for them I would hope by the time they get there they've met other players experienced players if they if they're familiar with LFG they're going to be probably interacting with people that are familiar with the game familiar with the mechanics like I feel like this is an overstated concern because there'd be so few people that get to 
that stage of like I'm brand new I got all the way to raid ready these raids are terrible I'm out um yeah and that's why I hope the next raid has a normal and a hard mode I right. hope that it's not casualified but it's accessible like as we've been talking about that there are ways to bring people in to understand how it works how to get in the loop not change the loop right exactly exactly all right good thoughts i'm gonna go to the next person thanks for calling in gilly i'm coming to you mr light leap what do you got for me today all right that was faster than i expected um so first of all i just want to make a general comment i don't understand why so many people are concerned with um accessible raid accessibility i remember w- when i started playing d2 on pc uh, i took it kind of slow because of the environments and uh, i didn't know much about raiding and mmos and when i saw people in the tower with the with the raid gear and the prestige glows i was like damn i really want to get that and uh, I, I didn't know if I could. I didn't know how to get there. It, it was some aspirate. Like part of this mystery is that you don't know whether you can make it or that it's going to be a journey. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you can't dumb down a looter shooter. Otherwise, you're going to complain. You end up with, like year three that everything is just too. There's this path cannot be too straightforward. Mm-hmm. You have to go through it. And with that in mind, I was thinking. I never liked your idea, to be fair, with the contest modifier, if I can straight, because, um, and through this discussion today, I realized why not. And I think what what Destiny needs more is, as you said, a hard mode, or even a, like two hard modes, basically like Grandmaster Nightfalls. Mm-hmm. And I think that should work also in tandem with uh, leveling. So I think that, for example, you can level, let's say we started like last season, you started at like 950. And you level via normal gameplay to 1000 and then you can access the raid and it, that should be straightforward there shouldn't be any milestones you just play and you level any mm-hmm. content right mm-hmm. so you don't need a contest modifier for day one because everybody reaches it fairly easy and then the first raid on normal is 1000 and the only way to get to unlock hard mode is to reach a certain uh gear score or in this in this case light level right that only drops in the raid or let's say the dungeon at, at this on normal level mm-hmm and you progress and it drops like every drop every legendary that drops in the raid levels you up again so you can okay. also farm it and then you can access the next tier right and every time you start the next tier you'll always be under like a level of contest modifier for that to be possible they would need to get rid of these weird five steps of delta and just make it more straightforward that you do incrementally more damage every time you gain a level right that mm-hmm. way you have this natural progression leveling would be meaningful again it wouldn't be just a number used for sunsetting and it would actually mean something to people like standing in a tower. They would want to be like, "When I want to be ten twenty, I want to be ten thirty, I want to get that highest level of raid rate done, right?" And they could add stuff like champions on the second difficulty and the third, maybe even more. They have these tools. They just need to put the time in. And I don't think wasting time on accessibility is the right way forward. Well, I want to say a couple of things because what you said is essentially what Avenger also said in chat, and I don't think accessibility and difficulty are actually exclusive. I think there are different categories. When I talk about accessibility, I, in my video said, you know, the problem is so many people never experience, you know, some of the best PVE content. So 
accessibility is getting people in, not making them, not making the content easier. So the example I gave today in the video was that we have difficulty spectrum on nightmare hunts and nightfalls now, which actually allowed Bungie to create accessibility for those pieces of content. The bottom two tiers have matchmaking. So just that, to cut in, uh, uh-huh. I don't. I mean, uh, specified by the time they have. If they have all the time in the world and they can do that, and they don't cut aspirational content for that, or they don't cut, I don't know, maybe like as they said last season, they said. Uh, either you want a ritual weapon, right, or you want a trials weapon. So, given that response, I I don't I don't care about this aspiration. Yeah, if they have unlimited time or they actually put time in and they think this is a good way, I don't mind it. I'm not minded on a principle level. I just based on what we've seen so far. Sure, and the, what I suggested in the video was not don't do matchmaking the in-game uh the group finders already in the bungee app it's already been built so i suggested putting that into the game i don't i don't i wouldn't think that would be that difficult and then the second thing i said was bring difficulty spectrum normal hard which is a deepening of the end game so that's actually something that we would want as hardcore players we would want to see that deepening uh we would want to see it go farther than it is right now because presently whenever we're playing the game that's something that we've always kind of felt the pain of is that there's there's a lack of depth there's a lack of sense of like oh man am i am i really am i really going to be able to grind this for forever or is it going to get boring really really quickly um that's that's what i was trying to solve for so i wasn't necessarily trying to say let's focus heavily on accessibility i was saying if you're trying to solve for the problem of accessibility i believe the answers are actually good for everybody in-game group finder and adding difficulty spectrum i think is actually good for all players not just the like the new or the casual or the the less hardcore if that makes sense that does make sense yeah i'm just i'm I'm totally with you on that i was more generally speaking of you know like the last caller um sorry i forgot your name (laughs) um saying that you know people who just then jump into the game they won't have an accessible raid in a sense that it's too easy because Scourge is going away. I think that's... So I'm not saying talking about the other solutions, but I don't think that's really a concern. I would rather be concerned... So the opposite is worse to me, that they jump in and think like, hey, I can do a raid immediately and get the best gear, you know? I think that's worse for the game. Right, and that that was another reason why I said that the raid should maintain its sense of aspiration, not become easier with time, because the loot is endgame viable for an entire year it's endgame viable for 12 months because of sunsetting which means that anytime you go in there you're getting best in class standout loot that is endgame viable for you know for 12 months and so that was another reason why i wanted to maintain the the endgame aspirational feel of a raid with contest modifier so that's that's another part that i was concerned about is if they're finally going to create a loot hierarchy and in three months, the raid's way easier because everybody's over-leveled. Everybody's, you know, leveling up from the winter season. That, to me, dilutes the sense of aspirational best-in-class weaponry being in the raid. And raids might even have longer than a year if they apply the, what you know, if they, they, they gave Garden and Last Wish stuff like a stay of ex- execution. They might do that as well. Like, the, the, this new raid might have a longer shelf life. Right. So that's... Why well, I love this suggestion I came up with. Like, so imagine you go and like it's Deep Stone Crypt raid, right? It's fall, 
and you have let's say level 1000 you go in and raid gear drops and it has like some raid specific perks that increases damage against enemies in the raid and stuff like that and that is the only thing that increases your power to like say 1020 and then you can unlock the next tier which is at 1030 and so you always you will have this delta again but this time the raid drops adept weapons it's harder right but you get like better weapons and then mm -hmm. or, or even better higher higher power armor right and at some point that rate becomes easy right because you will be 1030 eventually or let's say it drops on 40 gear and then you have a 1050 always Dallas gave on it doesn't drop higher gear anymore but it drops glows like the prestige ornaments we had in mm -hmm. year one for example suddenly you have leveling that is meaningful right again and uh, you have this aspirational problem and i think with champions and the contest modifier you suggested this is doable they just need to work on the delta scaling yeah yeah i agree i could see i'm doing a, a spectrum like that in raids i think that'd be good so all right all right thanks I'm, I'm, yep i'm gonna move on to rexus rexus we were having some bitrate issues guys so if you're watching live on youtube there might have been some uh, buffering it seems to have stabilized I can't tell if it's on my end or AT&T or if it's YouTube ingest servers because it tends to happen and then it gets all better again. It it doesn't seem like it was what I was dealing with uh, before. So, Rexus, what do you got for me? Well, then I hope I don't sound like a British robot. Or no, a you sound fine. Which uh -uh. is the same. Uh, well, uh, what I was thinking is... Uh, I remember the time when uh, I was trying to get a friend of mine into Destiny 2 and he said, yeah, sure, especially since the base is free, yeah, let's try. And uh, the first thing he got discouraged by was um, in PvP that certain weapons are just bound to the uh, season pass mm -hmm. and the DL destroyed by weapons I cannot get. Mm -hmm. I said, like, yeah, but you're a free-to-play player. Mm -hmm. What are you expecting? You, this is more of uh, you get to try it. You can, and okay. There is, and it's more bent for PvE. And he said, yeah, but the strikes are like, once you're done with them, you're done. You've seen them. Mm -hmm. And the really good content, I said, him are the rates, and he said, okay, let's do, yeah, but can we do it right? And I said, yeah, I'll just go into the LFG, I'll organize a group, I'll take care of everything in that, and he'll just have to join that server, and we'll be playing. He might not even join the, have to join the server, and I can just uh, re uh, relocate us all to a different server, so he doesn't have to do the currently pretty getting verified and stuff mm -hmm. and he said yeah but i don't want to talk to randoms i said yeah but <laughs> raids are so are in this game uh so complicated and need to be and you need to be uh talking mm -hmm. like not necessarily complicated but you have lo little time to communicate Right. He said, yeah, but did Final Fantasy it worked as well. Like, we, we are constantly going in with... Uh, with... Uh, you have three teams of eight people. Mm -hmm. And that works without communication. Yeah, but we know the rates. And even if we don't necessarily know the rates too well, we are enough people and the mechanics are slower. Destiny as a shooter needs to have fast mechanics. Mm-hmm. 
and shame that because of this he will never see this great content. Right. And as we were with uh, normal and uh, and uh, prestige modes mm -hmm. for raids, maybe after after a season, like give it some time after a season, maybe even after a year, uh, you could introduce a really scaled down version where you get less loot or not as good as loot. Mm -hmm. Maybe just with normal stats and similar stuff. But you can experience it in a light version, basically. That you have like, yeah, Coca-Cola is too tough for me, but uh, a Coke light, I can go for that. Right. This was suggested a little bit ago about um, there was a way that they did this in another, I think it was World of Warcraft, I think it was boards that brought yep. this up, like the lower version or whatever. Um yeah, I got yeah, I got I got a couple comments on like, you know, your 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 friend's sort of response to all the things. I didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so, something that my my therapist once said to me, you know, is is you got to live life on life's terms. And I love that, you know, that you you, <laughs> you you I was living this uncontrolled life and like I needed to better myself and I had to live life on life's terms. Like I wasn't doing that. And I think sometimes I want to say the same thing to people that want to play video games like you got to play the game on the game's terms and i think that in raids and destiny being like i don't want to talk to randoms or i don't want to use lfg or you know it's going to be too hard or whatever or uh, or what we what was the discussion i was having a little bit ago with dark side or like failure is part of raiding you learn you see the kill screen you you you, you figure out you're almost like Sherlock Holmes, you know, you're combing over the clues and, oh, it says I need to do this and we didn't do it. Nobody diffused. We all have zeros, you know, if let's figure that out. And so I, I, that's the first thing I want to say to somebody like that is, okay, you got to play the game on the game's terms. You can't come to Destiny. It's like people that want everything catered to solo. It's like, no, no, you got to play this game on its terms. There's, there's too much content that requires a full team or, you know, a non-match made environment. So to the second part of your commentary to the same thing I said to boards when 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 he brought it up. If you're gonna bring out a mode that's more dumbed down or easier or whatever that has lower tier loot and just lets people experience it, like the mechanics are more forgiving and there's a there's a buff that makes the players uh, live longer if they fail. I'm gonna say the same thing. I'm like, okay, you better give me normal and hard then. If you're gonna update the factions or update the drifter with you know a vendor update, you better update Shax and Zavala first. Like they're pay they're owed their due before. So as a hardcore Destiny player, as a raider, I'm owe my due before these these more casual, more newer players. Like this content's for me, and it hasn't been very good up to now. Um, so that's. That's kind of my two like responses to to what you said. So, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I would prefer if they go first with uh, making the content for us mm -hmm. better. At the same time, it's I hope if they do that though, I would be very happy if we could l have a light mode for people to whet people's appetite. Yes, like we'd have maybe get a bunch more raiders which would be nice yeah and that was something i wanted to say to lightly like in 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 avengers as well you know don't 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 make excessive don't make it more accessible make it more hardcore i'm like accessibility and difficulty are not at odds i think the idea that i have and many others have is it's great content if you can get more people in there 
it doesn't need to be easy. Just get them in there. But like you're saying, you know, you could do like an, a light mode, an easy mode, whet their appetite. And ultimately, that's good. As long as normal and hard are respected and maintained as aspirational endgame content, then the accessibility, light mode, easy mode, it hasn't hurt anything. If anything, it's it's maybe given you more people to raid with and find an LFG. So, um, yeah. Good thoughts. We're going long, so I am going to have to go on. But thanks for calling in, Rexus. I would like to just say one more thing. Okay. Do not ever try to say Rexus in a German accent ever again. Oh, okay. I cannot stand it. I won't. I won't, I won't do it. Rexus sounds absolutely awful. Please do not. I was. Tr- I was actually if you want to trying. Me, go for it, but. No, I was trying to imitate the Kexus. Kexus the betrayed. It was like Rexus the betrayed. Ah, like, yeah. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. So I I failed in on two fronts. I failed on two fronts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I did not. Know, I did not know that reference. So, <laughs> yeah, that's from that's from Destiny One. That was from uh, uh... Pri- Pri- Prison of Elders. They would announce the bad guy, the the, the bosses, and it was Kexis the Betrayed. It was it was uh... in. Yeah. Yeah. They you, did. You, you, they don't do that in the new one. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was only for Prison of Elders. It was the um. It was what's his name? Uh, it's not. It's the same voice in Warden of Nothing, but he's it's it's Tanix. He, he's like, you know, uh, dismantle minds, and like he's telling you all these things to do, and he announces the guy that comes out. Like it's, it was, it was. I liked it. I thought it was good. a lot of people didn't like Prison of Elders and Challenge of Elders, but I did. I thought it was good content. Oh no, I was, I, I was hoping for a Prison of Elders style content since, uh, like a proper one since, uh, what was it called again? Escalation Protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A proper horde mode. Yeah. Okay, right. I'll leave you to the next one. All right. See ya. All right, we're coming to Mr. Techno. Okay, so Lightleap was uh, talking about light level and power level advantages, and he mentioned the five-step, but they changed that five-step to make each individual power matter around uh, opulence. So now more than ever, each individual point of power levels, which is why Pinnacle Grind is even more terrible than before, because the difference between... 1079 and 1080 in a 1080 nightfall is you take 5% more damage and deal 5% less with that one point of damage. Yeah. And then there's a with the new loot hierarchy coming in I don't really think most players are ready to accept there's some things in the games that they just won't get. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when they add Trials Adept weapons, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to moan and complain that they can't get Flawless and they can't get Adept weapons, so they need a different avenue to get them. And to them, I say, too bad. Oh well. Yeah, I I actually don't know if that's going to be true in Trials, if they do it right. Because I know in I, Destiny 1, it, wasn't a ma- it was not a major complaint. People liked getting the loot from the bounties. They were good with that. Like, I... Everyone's gotten used to being able to get every piece of loot in the game. Like right now, there's a uh, there's no special loot that has like a mm. gatekeep to it. The closest thing would be like the emblem for going flawless in trials. That's like the only thing that's really end game gate yeah. gate kept right now. But when they bring back those uh, top of the pyramid weapons, Johnny mm. No Thumbs, who lives in the patrol area, is going to complain that his uh new version of like gnawing hunger that they released with beyond light that's the same is isn't as good as the the raid auto 
because the raid auto is better because it comes from aspirational content. Hmm. I, I've made a similar prediction. I think that the forums and Reddit will have you know, Twitter, YouTube comments. It's going to have people making that complaint. You know, I've been telling people you better get ready. They're they're making it clear that loot hierarchy will be a thing in year four. Um, I, I I definitely think that your pushback is probably a reasonable one because we have gotten lulled into this idea that everybody should get everything. Like I remember when I was upset about the clan engrams giving raid gear, people. I remember people defending it. I was like, why are you defending this? This is so dumb. Like, you're getting raid loot and you haven't run the raid. And I I don't think that they'll get a lot of traction with their argumentation because most of the avenues for complaint have lots of hardcore players in them. Um, so I think well, I, I think there'll be a good battle in the forums and Reddit and stuff where the hardcore players can be like, uh-uh, we've been asking for this for a very long time. You 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 casuals. Now I don't like infighting in the community, but I, I I would I think there'll be a pretty good battle and a good representation that Bungie's not going to change this. Um, you know I don't I don't think they're going to walk it back. Luna's Hell and Not Forgotten upon release are kind of a good example, except they did sort of prevent people from getting up there because it was hard to fight against them without them. Like, Not Forgotten was extremely hard to get, and only like the highest end of the PvP community could get that. And everyone that couldn't get Not Forgotten complained about not being able to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was another instance where, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a really tough weapon to get. People complained. They thought I was, you know, it was too exclusive. So, I, I don't think those complaints will, uh, will go away in year four. In fact, I welcome them. I think if they, if we get those complaints, that'll be an indication that Bungie's made dope stuff and that people want it. Um, you know, I, I, I would actually say Bungie should take those complaints when they come as a sign of health like we did it right we got good loot we have loot that people want and people are irritated they can't get it like that's actually a sign of health that you have an engaged invested community and you've made loot that's good enough to warrant that frustration i would actually say that's a that's a that's a feather in their cap if and when that happens so and then the other part is mostly based on everything i hear in my clan where they're running out of stuff to do in the season mm-hmm. yet they still log in and they're burning themselves out it's okay to take a break from destiny. We've got like three months or two and a half, three months until beyond light comes out. It's okay to take a break and go do something else. Uh, that's, that's definitely going to be, um, a, a needed narrative. Once we get, once we get closer to September, cause I think the reality of the delay will start to really land on people. Um, and here's what we typically do as a community. We exhaust the game and then Bungie puts out something like an exotic quest or Festival of the Lost and people are so desperate for something to do that they overconsume that and then they then they turn on it. And they're like, oh, this content quest sucks. And it's like, well, this wasn't meant to supplant <laughs> your weekly habits and things that you're not doing anymore. Like, they're <laughs> we're, we're going to have to take on, I think, a a patient narrative, uh, especially when September hits, because it's going to be very clear that we're just there, there's not much to do, and that's why people that get ahead of the rhythm of the season tend to be the most vocal about drip feed, because they take something that's meant to be like a rhythmic 
condiment to the meal of the season and they're like I'm out of stuff to do give me it Woof, and they inhale it and they're like oh that was that sucked that was too fast uh, so they're engaging with the content in a way that automatically makes it unsatisfactory and uh, that we, we are a hundred percent gonna get there I could almost write the the chat and the narrative and the debates we're gonna have you know come September there there, there will be the uh, the sense of boredom and anger and frustration but um, hopefully that just leads to a, a, a celebration of of beyond light and it's it delivers the goods because um, the delay will automatically make people think man this better be great because if you're making us wait for it it better be it better be amazing <laughs> there's a there's a, a passive unintended hype that comes from delays because people just assume that this better be a, a home run then you made me wait longer for it and then uh, we got Solstice of Heroes starts in about two weeks on August 11th, and I feel a lot of the community is just going to try to chew through that as fast as possible just because they're running out of stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, they're ahead of the wave. They're they're ahead of the wave, and so they dive, they, they dive in, and that's all they focus on uh, because they're done with everything else. And I think that's just something that if you're more of a self-aware player you can hear me say that and be like mate okay i am that guy maybe i maybe i'll enjoy the game more if i realize how i'm playing and when new stuff comes out like that like solstice or something just dial back a little bit and enjoy it and know that it's I, I, I do this when I get really hungry and I hate that I do it and I try not to. I did this last night. Like I get so hungry that I inhale the food and I don't enjoy it. I don't savor it. Um, and last night I slowed myself down. I was like, this is a solid burger. It's it, I, it's prepared perfectly. It's got all the things on it I like. And even though I'm absolutely... great for the two seconds it was on, that I could taste it. Right, right. And even though I'm absolutely famished, I'm going to slow down. A couple nights ago, I did that. I was so hungry. I just inhaled the burger. Like it was like it was gone in a matter of, you know, minutes. And so, you know, the, being famished and being hungry and eating incredibly quickly kind of robs you of enjoying the meal. It's more of a mechanical exchange of nutrients. You're just like, I got to get food in my stomach. And you can do the same thing in video games. You're like, I got nothing. I inhale the game. That sucked. That wasn't fun. Um, so kind of hard not to inhale it when you're really hungry that burger tastes so good you have a hard time slowing down no yeah it it is it is it's it's a it's self-control self-awareness and uh and there's other games out you know fall play play some fall guys with me we'll have some fun you know horizon zero dawn's coming out on pc like you know play play other games that that's going to be a big big mantra we'll have to echo uh in the coming months so i'm gonna i'm gonna move on to wolverine thanks for calling in techno all right, Wolverine, you're the last caller of the day. What's up, dude? I hope uh, everyone in Discord and YouTube is doing well. I uh, wanted to challenge something on the Q&A. I know that probably feels like uh, yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> after the time that goes by. But um, we've uh, touched on this either within the call-ins or the co-hosting, whether uh, – the RNG, the smart RNG, and plot leveling, more specifically, you touched on those two things at the end. Uh, how they would fit, and then what kind of you know ramifications would that br- would that bring? And one thing uh, I'd like to challenge on is: don't you feel that smart RNG and slot leveling in unison would kind of decimate, if not minimize, uh, the power level advantage through PvP? And so then the, after after you answer, sorry, after you answer, I'd like to paint a conversational hypothetical for you. 
Yeah, this is actually a good question because the the question that that I would I would have to press on this would be what ultimately is the purpose of power advantage in Crucible? And I don't know if we've ever gotten an answer other than oh it's end game and then obviously it's going to be used for sunsetting of trials gear cuz trials gear will be you know will be probably some best in class adept stuff and then sunsetting in that power enabled environment will shove some of that stuff out of trials after 12 months keeps things fresh so we kind of have an answer but that's a brand new answer power advantage has been in destiny for a while and I've never understood the why why is it there especially as we've touched on a couple times today new light and game and game pass is it a good idea to say, hey, you've been enjoying Destiny, brand new player, you've never played Iron Banner before, yeah, it's cool, look at this loot, and there's this thing in the tower, it's on fire, and all, you know, it's all this stuff, and then you go in, and because you're newer and haven't been playing as much, you're losing, and, and power advantage is, 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 is kind of kicking you in the teeth. I, what purpose is that serving? Like, I think you're right. Smart RNG and slot leveling would basically make power level advantage in PvP a non-issue for most people because you just kind of level automatically but then I'm going to push back and be like is there a lot of net benefit to having people who play less often feel as though they can't enjoy Iron Banner like I get it in trials like uh, you, you shouldn't be able to jump in day one if you've barely been playing and jump into trials that's like expecting to jump into a raid Iron Banner's never felt that way to me. I- we can definitely agree without discourse that Iron Banner, and we said it before together, that Iron Banner shouldn't have a power level advantage. And that's pr- pretty much not really where I'm kind of specifying this this talk, obviously, with, you know, you just said it off the bat, Trials. And even I could probably make the argument for comp mm-hmm. to some degree, to some degree. But uh, I... Uh, to, to paint, to paint a, a quick hypothetical picture for you, just I would just agree about your 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 insights on specific thing so uh let's say the powers that be let's say i don't want to digress too much but just for just the purpose of this let's say they uh follow substantiated empirical evidence and you were approached by them and said hey lono we really really like your view on smart rng and slot leveling we want to implement that but we don't want to lose our power level advantage in our most pinnacle PvP activities. Mm-hmm. What can you suggest with that involved? And this is obviously still uh, hypothetical, uh, and you're being asked how can we implement that smart RNG and that slot leveling with still giving a lot of, not a lot of emphasis, but the emphasis on things like, let's just. For the argument's sake, let's just put trials as our only power level advantage. How can we implement yeah. that? Um, well, you could do a couple of things. Uh, you could obviously consider the pinnacle grind being one that is uh, slower and requires more time commitment. So that would create a slight chasm because leveling would be automatic, but pinnacle pinnacle grind, even if it was more automatic with smart RNG, would still require a commitment, a lot of playing of either trials, raids, or other pinnacle sources. Um, so those that play less would obviously you know, fall down on that ladder of power. So I think that is where you could still create some chasm of difference between that player that plays all the time and those that don't um, and, and maintain that. You could also consider having trials create its own self-contained 
pinnacle grind. So the That's more what you I was going to ask. Right, the more you play, the more you go flawless, the more you win, the more you kind of climb that power. Now, you got to be careful here, rich get richer, right? Oh, man, these guys yep. win a lot. They're way higher power now, so you'd have to cap it. Um, sure. if, it's a, if it's a self-contained thing, like it's a plus 10 like it is now, then I think it's Definitely it could, something you could reset seasonally, too. I would, yes. I would kind of figure it. And the chasm is not insurmountable. Like endless leveling on the on the artifact is problematic because once somebody gets so far ahead of you, you'll never you'll never catch or pass them. It's like if a car goes flying past you on the highway and then you match their speed, you're never going to catch them, right? That's that's why the artifact infinite leveling is so problematic. But in this case, it's not insurmountable. After a couple of weeks, you would catch up midway through the season. You know, everybody's kind of at that end game level. No big deal. Um, that would be, that I would definitely be my answer. thought you were going to lead to that. I kind of had a, a, a feeling in the back of my head you were going to lead to that, and, and I wanted to say, do you feel that I like I like the idea of almost like a, a specific leveling system within Trial, if we're going to make that the power level advantage only playlist. Now I, I I brought I paint a bigger brush because I know that there's those people that. You know, just like the example you give, the rich get richer. There are going to be those people if you put that leveling system within trial specifically. Now, if that leveling system was incorporated through all the playlists so that people that weren't as, and you could still add a cap to this, but what happens if the people that weren't as, you know, uh, confident enough to either LFG alone or go in with the fire team to trials, there was an overall PvP leveling system, and that also dictated through trials where you stood advantage wise. Yeah, I think that could. I think that could work too. You're almost. It might. I'm trying to weigh at, the pros and cons, and, and yeah. I want to see if you found any cons. If 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 that that standalone PvP level would actually be welcoming to people that let's say they only wanted to they only play control or they only played the, the rotator and then they mm-hmm. they that weekend they felt hey let's go to trials let's try that out and then they won't be as dictated by the power level being like hey we put in a little bit of time mm-hmm. to these wacky playlists so like maybe we won't be at a disadvantage I like the in- I like the intention of what you're saying. You're like, okay, we would still keep the leveling, the power advantage would still play a factor in trials, but we would make it to where you could, you know, you could level just within PvP. I think my if if I was going to push in on this and say what are concerns and potential pitfalls here, I would say a handful because you're creating a system within a system. So now we've got leveling, we've got the artifact leveling, we got pinnacle leveling, and now you got like this unique leveling. My apologies. Within- take take the artifact even out of consideration into okay related things yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So my, my, my apologies so i meant to start off with that when i rehearsed this with myself take yeah. take the since we already take that out anyways let's just take it out altogether in terms of a pvp leveling system mm-hmm. and then how you could filter experience maybe you don't get as much experience as you would in, in comparison to like you're not going to get as much experience in mayhem as you would comp or trials right, and right, then right, right. obviously let's not make a backtracking where mm-hmm. you're you're being hurt for losing because it's just you just don't get as much experience compared to losing to winning if not all if i zoom all the way out on this i think the question i would ask is we're going to have to we're coming up with you know uh, significant systems and ideas and and even solutions to to maintain something that I don't even know if it's maintained that long throughout a season right now. Most people probably hover and cluster around the same light level uh, in trials after about a month because um, the gap just slowly closes. 
So we're going to create all this and this system and this these different leveling pathways and all this to maintain something that wouldn't, I think at the end of the day, would it be that much different than how it is right now? And so, and if it was different, why would it be superior and better? So why we have to justify this level of, of uh, system development. Like, we have to justify it. Like, why are we going to make this switch? Because I, I think, like I said, I think right now, people are probably pretty clustered around the same power level anyway after about a month to a month and a half, negating the power level advantage in trials anyway. I think that's just given the current state of things and, and, and considering how we power, you know, pinnacle power level up anyways i think if if we're just taking your slot theory and we just completely minimize the the headache of getting our pinnacles and moving up within our 1010 to 1060 reach then we're like i said mitigating and minimizing the power level altogether i I, it's not like i wouldn't be opposed to removing it altogether i just feel that if we if we do take the the positive i i do truly feel that this in, in a game like destiny I know some people don't want an easy path to RNG and an easy path to leveling and an easy path to this because they're MMO players or the Diablo players, like myself included, a Diablo player. But this is this is a different this is a different type of game we're playing. So we mm-hmm. got to take that into consideration. So if we do play smart and smart RNG, which again I'm not opposed of with a game that Destiny is like, I just feel that we're removing the current state of power level advantage. And if we are, then that's like I said, it's okay me personally if we do remove it all together but at the same time if it does stay in there with the current state how can we either increase it or change it yeah if i'm not answering your original question i would say i'm actually totally fine with power level advantage becoming less of an issue and more of just an it's just an undercurrent to enforce sunsetting. I'm actually totally fine with that. I, I don't think it needs to be as we as you said, we're in agreement to take it out of Iron Banner. And if it's more of a logistical function in trials to just enforce sunsetting, then I am a hundred percent okay with that. I've never understood the concept of you play more, so you should get a damage advantage in Crucible. It's never made an ounce of sense to me yeah. at all. Especially in the spirit of trials and all these people argue for balance and this is broke and that's broke, but then in the next breath they're like i play more i should do more damage it's like wait that's that's antithetical to balance like it it doesn't i i've never understood it totally so but again i understand that as a concept of like it's end game and you shouldn't just be able to jump in right away and in some cases maybe keep out they might be trying to keep out cheaters with it when i first started destiny one and i thought of end game and i saw a power level advantage the first thing as a pvp player i was thinking of but then i also thought wow that incentivizes me to play pve because that's my pinnacle aspirational Mm -hmm. chase that's where it lies in that's where i feel compelled to play the game and then i'm playing the game anyways you know why not you know full advantage of it and play the pve story that's just that's how i view things um but yeah thank you thank you for entertaining that great thoughts and, and, and and great uh great talk today i really appreciate the time and everything else yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I I echo that, guys. Today has been stellar. Like with the longest uh, VIP call in and the longest Q and A session before this. Like where I think we're hitting a pretty good stride here. Great back and forth, good discussions and debates. This is some of my favorite content. I never would have envisioned doing a call in, uh, but we've 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 innovated in the in the face of uh, in the face of tragedy and loss we've innovated and i think we've come up with something really special and cool that over the over the coming months and years will just continue to take shape so we can do other maybe even other shows and stuff like this where you guys get to call in and be part of it and 
Uh, we've got more coming for VIPs as well. Uh, the first VIP fight night will be August 7th around 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be playing the new game Fall Guys, which launches on this coming Tuesday, uh, August the 4th. That is a PC and PS4 game that features crossplay between the two. So looking forward to that. If you're listening to this in other locations, that sounds like a great time to you. You can come to saynotorage.com. That's that'll take you to the YouTube channel. You can click join, pick that VIP tier, or uh, you can also do that on the Patreon, SNTRpresents.com. Get to the Patreon, then sync everything up with Discord. You don't have to be a VIP to watch VIP Fight Night, just to play. So, if you're listening to this in any of the other locations, you can listen to this on Spotify. Uh, it shows up on YouTube, Google Play, all of it. All these episodes hit there, SNTR Presents. Uh, but as always, please like, share, and subscribe.